Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Lines open on one 106 And again, uh, just talking in the news there about the latest uh, research figures out for listenership. It's been a it's been a, a crazy, crazy year, hasn't it, from the point of view of, uh, you know, coronavirus and COVID-19 and issues like that. Uh, but, um, you know, there are 12,000 extra people listening to this radio program. And on behalf of all of the team, thank you so much um, for your loyalty. Um, as, as I say, you know, in, in, in talk radio like you, you know, you got uh, 15 hours of broadcasting every day, but there are many hundreds of hours off the air putting together those 15 hours. So to all of the team, thank you. And indeed to you guys for listening to it makes it, it makes it all worthwhile. Paper wise this morning, um, and it's all Trump. You, you may have stayed up until uh, Trump actually um, went into the uh, White House. Uh, press conference last night. He didn't take any questions or anything, and he went on about all sorts of different things involving uh, voter fraud and robbery and suppression. And uh, I think one of the legitimate points he was certainly making was uh, voter suppression, which had a lot to do with these polls that were completely wrong. We have found that with opinion polls here as well, haven't we, in elections? And they certainly found it in the UK when it came to Brexit and things like that. Um, So Trump says, I'm being robbed. Um, You heard CNN stopping him. Uh, stopping the speech last night, but that's the divide in America really goes right through society, even television channels. You've got CNN, who are very pro, um, you know, uh, the Democrats, and you've got Fox, then are pro-Republican, and Trump. When, when Trump loses this election, which, you know, for those of you that are Trump supporters, sorry about that, uh, and that'll happen perhaps later on today, uh, he will go legal on it. But you got to wonder, when Trump is gone, uh, what will Fox News do? Um, so all of the papers talk of that today. I'm being robbed. Uh, they, they have um, the latest figures making the front of the Times, the inside pages, the newspapers, Biden 253, Trump at, uh, at 217. It's all about Pennsylvania at this stage. So on that goes, uh, on it trundles. Bit like uh, when was it 2000 when it was Gore and Bush? Uh, hopes rise for Christmas with the family. Um, there's a lot done because of level five restrictions, and um, I mean the deal was get the numbers down, get the R rate down, and we'll open again at the start of of December. So they need to honour that uh, really and truly for people's mental health as well as for retail and the goddamn economy. So the mail this morning says hopes rise of Christmas with the family, but one of the downsides to uh, people's worry and fear and anxiety and people get angry and and they get annoyed and they get short-tempered i understand all of that and you got to bear that in mind you know the circumstances in which many people are living these uh, this uh, last uh, nine months 10 months 11 months but uh, over a third of doctors now uh, are reporting in the examiner this morning of being verbally or physically abused by patients or patients relatives uh, during the COVID-19 it's a survey that's released and uh, printed in this morning's examiner and apparently new mums are coming out of maternity hospitals earlier in fact some of them are leaving the hospital as early as a day after giving birth just to be reunited with their partners, their families and their other children. So they're leaving hospital. I think in the past it was three or four days. Now some of them are actually leaving the next morning. And then more than a quarter of Irish children uh, are victims of online abuse. And that's a front page in the mirror today. Uh, more than a quarter of Irish teens targeted by cyber bullies during lockdown. Um, that's a front page story. Younger and younger they're getting. Uh, and younger children were, do, were most likely to become the victims. So if you're going to drill into that, they've got all of the stats in the mirror today. Um, the 5K limit should be lifted with regards to um, 
certain people who want to buy a Christmas tree. And there was I thinking that that would be an essential purchase and that the 5K wouldn't affect you going uh, for a Christmas tree. But apparently uh, the 5K limit is in force with regards to somebody who wants to trundle off in the old motoring car with a bit of twine and uh, lash it onto the onto the roof of the car. So that's an interesting one making the examiner today. They may well have to change their mind on this because all of the sellers are getting ready now for Christmas trees. And there'll be a run on Christmas trees. There really will, more so than ever before. Uh, papers have a lot from the core courts. Um, and it seems to me that there is an awful lot more um, issues in our courts involving assault, uh, involving, uh, you know, uh, r- robbery with weapons and things like that. Like there's a prisoner who threatened a prison officer in Cork Prison Apparently, he threatened the prison officer by saying, with one phone call, you'll be done. He was sentenced to an extra 10 months in jail for that threat, and and rightly so. And then sentencing will take place uh, this month in the case of a a young fellow who confessed to charges relating to his attempt to blow up an ATM machine at a petrol station at the Maxall garage at Cars Hill in Carrigaline. So that's before, that's a story in this morning's Echo. And and there are some lovely, light-hearted stories. One is the battle between Cork and Dublin, which makes this morning's mirror as to which is a better place to live. Do I really need to go into the details of this story uh, about the beautiful shopping or the views or, um, you know, the, 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 the restaurants and the bars or the scenery? The mirror does, but we don't really have to go into that, lads, because we kind of know that it's the loveliest, lovely place to live in Ireland. Uh, meanwhile, thousands of Irish homes are given the old coronavirus uh, the finger uh, by celebrating the other big C and I get fierce grief. I put up a post on Instagram yesterday because I had a photograph of the Holly Bow in studio with me so I posted up my Instagram page and I was suggesting maybe the fact now that the Holly Bow is out it would be okay to start playing Christmas music. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, there were some people who said yes, but an awful lot of them saying no. But they're tracking down in the papers this morning uh, the different people who have actually got their Christmas tree up. And amongst them is Danielle Brady from Cove. She put her tree up on November the 1st. Uh, And what I'm also seeing is an awful lot of people now who are dressing under their tree in matching pyjamas. Mammy and Daddy and all of the kids in matching pyjamas. I suppose you could be doing an awful lot worse. Um, I'll tell you somebody who could be doing an awful lot worse. The Beatles. There's a story in the Mirror today saying that the Beatles are still making huge money. So they're still making notes, if you like. Not musical notes, but uh, cash notes. The band's company, the Beatles' company, made €55,846 last year alone. Apple. Uh, it just rolls on the money machine, getting bigger and bigger. Unlike chocolate bars, biscuits, and all sorts of retail items that down through the years are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. They call it shrinkflation. And the latest one, I promise I will come back to shrinkflation. I've been promising to do that. But the latest one now to join uh, as a victim of shrinkflation is the Cadbury's Fudge Bar, which is 20, which is 12% smaller than it was last year. They say they're doing it to put a cap on calories, but they never put a cap on price. Like if the product gets smaller, 
Why don't the price? Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Free, free Food Friday today, guys, again with Oak Fire Pizzas. So text who you are and where you are. Text 086-810-4106. You may be at home. You might be working from home. You might be in the office. You might be working in situ in your place of work, whatever the case may be. Text who you are or where you are to 086-810-4106. And we have 10 uh, pizza vouchers to give away again this morning. Any pizza on the menu, uh, and uh, we'll get it sorted for you. Oak Fire Pizza, Princess Street, Clonakilty, and Bandon. Okay, so text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. It's going to be a busy morning Morning this morning. A lot of different topics um, to discuss, and your thoughts are welcome, as always, on 1850-104-106. It's 13 years on now to the day, and I remember reporting on the story uh, the death of Gussie Hornibrook. His body was discovered at his home uh, on Temple Acre Avenue in Gronenbroher on the 6th day of November 2007. And the Guardian now have, um, and they did in the past have, uh, you know, a big investigation. It's an ongoing investigation into Gussie Hornibrook's death. It even, it even was featured in, in Crime Call. Um, and uh, now they have uh, started again what they call a cold case investigation, which means that they are relooking and reviewing everything in the file now that could lead to the discovery of who murdered 73-year-old uh, Gussie Hornibrook. Um, apparently, if I remember correctly, somebody did call uh, the Garda Shikona back in the day, gave um, very, very you know, important information to the guard at the time, promised to call back and didn't call back. So here we are, uh, 13 years on with the guardie re-looking uh, into the death of the 73. Oh, there was no, his door was unlocked because he never locked his door. Um, you know, lived in a community where uh, he felt that he wouldn't have to do that kind of thing. There was no sign of robbery. There was even money. Um, I was reading, reading Anne Murphy's uh, article from the, from the Echo from some years back. There was no sign of robbery. Uh, there was cash in the house. Uh, the cash was left there. Uh, Gussie's hands had been bound to his side by two ties, two neckties, which were then wrapped around uh, his knees. Uh, and he was badly, badly beaten. Um, I, I know people might find it uh, upsetting to hear, but he had uh, cuts to his face, blood in his hands, several ribs were fractured, uh, fractured bones to his neck. Um, some material was found in his in his mouth indicating that a, a pillow had been held held over his head uh, held over his face um and the guardian hoping that with the passage of time uh, that maybe people who had information back then our loyalties and friendships that might have changed might well um you know come forward now uh, 13 years on john robert hornibrook uh, is uh, i believe a nephew uh, of gussie hornibrook john good morning and you would also be encouraging people that maybe would have information, but who stayed quiet years back for whatever reason, best known to themselves, to come forward now. Oh yeah, and put a closure on it. And this time of year, you know, comes back every year, comes back, and you know, you'd be thinking of things like that. And um, like my dad was never the same after it. Do you mind if I just go back to uh, his his last day, if you don't mind? Um, because yeah. he he was known in the in the area in the community. He had been up to Singleton Shop and Grona Braher. I think he went to the. I think the last sighting was possibly the local chipper. Is that right? Definitely. And he had he had and, uh, he, he, that was his regular routine, wasn't it? Oh, would have been and me dad used to get him his fags and stuff, and he'd call up to me dad for the fags, you know. 
He lived alone, of and, course. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. See, and, he was. See, what happened there was he was mugged about thirteen years before he died. He was mugged, and from that day on, he never carried money. Well, he he carried beer among because he used my dad used to look after things like that for him. My dad used to get him his food and bags and stuff like that. So that's why he would call to my dad. My dad, he'd take a few bob off my dad then just for the likes of his chipper and stuff like that, you know. And is your dad's name Robert? He is. Yeah, and and it was your dad who, who found Gussie the next day, wasn't it? It was, and after that day, he was never ever to say him after that. Never he got an awful fright because what happened was he was going down, he had food and he was going down, he was called down like he might not call down every day but he called down nearly every second day he was down there with um, food, you know because of course he wouldn't, wouldn't cook for himself or anything so my dad used to do things like that for him and Gussie um, was happy enough with the chipper apparently but your dad felt he needed a better oh, diet Oh, my dad used to go down with stuff and he'd, he'd have kind of hot meals for them and stuff. They often let my dad go down the road and my dad didn't drive, so he'd go right off and leave him go down the road there. And he'd say that he's crying, he'd walk away down because my dad used to enjoy the walk going down and stuff like that. Oh, my God. But, um, but my dad went in and found him and um, he got an awful fright and he ran down to my sister. My sister was living down just down the road. Well, not down to She was a bit away, but he ran down to her. And when they came up, then my sister moved straight away when she saw him. That's, there was something wrong, so they called the guards. And, um, he was tied yeah. to the chair, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you, no, they didn't tell me what they did. But they did. My sister saw that, they, they saw that he was tied up, and she phoned the guards straight away. Yeah, one of the interesting aspects of this was that, forgive me now, but just to, so that people know, the tie that he was tied up with wasn't his um, it was a, a profu- it was a profumo tie and I was just researching those ties they're expensive ties they have an average price of about 70 euro so that that became centred didn't it? Yeah because oh, he never ever in all the years that I know Gussie he, he never ever wore a tie yeah he was the last thing that he put on he'd say a tie and have you had any thoughts as to why somebody would murder your 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 uncle like that? You know, they didn't. There was no there was no robbery. I mean, there was money in the house. Yeah, the only thing I can think of there is that he disturbed them, and that um, they just, just I'd say they just went overboard. I'd say that that that, that, that Gussie would have come back and disturbed the break in. Yeah, and they got a fright in, and. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. Because Jesus, like he was, he, he was seventy-five years old. Like. I know, I know, I know. He loved feeding the birds, didn't he? Do I remember that right? Was he? He'd often be seen feeding the birds. Oh, he would have found. Um, you'd always see him walking and everything. He'd be all over the place, you know. He never did, he, did. Like, was was he a bachelor? Yeah, he was. Yeah, and. Um, you see what happened, Gussie was, his nerves came out of me years ago. And he ended up in hospital, and then they put him on medication, and he was perfect. And he lived with us for, for, for about a year. He lived with us for about a year. And he was perfect. And then what happened was, his uh, medication had to be changed. And um, they couldn't change the medication without putting him back in hospital. 
And I don't know if you remember this, he begged me dad, he said, whatever you do, he said, I don't want to go back in there. And my dad wouldn't do it. My dad wouldn't put him back in and because uh, my dad would have had to sign him back in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my dad wouldn't do He begged my dad not to do it and uh, they couldn't change his medication. In, and then that was, that was what happened, you know. My dad asked him, could they just give him the medication? He'd keep an eye on him. But they said, no, he had to be in hospital to, they had to monitor him with, when they changed medication. And what happened? Um, that was it then. He just, he's just, he, his nerves came at him and stuff like that. Again. He didn't want to go, he wanted yeah. to stay in his own house, yeah, yeah. No, no, he, he had a thing about doing, it was like, if you have a card up to us there now, and, um, you couldn't lock the door after him or anything, the door had to be opened, you know? And if he went into a room, the door would have to be open in that room. You couldn't lock the door in that room, you know. So the same was being said about his own house. He didn't lock his front door. He only never locked the door. He's all, I often done with my dad there now. And um, if you were bringing coal or something like that down to him, and um, the door was the door, it wouldn't be wide open to be a jar, you know. And do you think that might have been known by members of the community yeah, that Gussie Harneybrook's door is always open? Oh yeah, everybody would have known it, you know. Now, I know that there was dozens of calls received after a crime call, and then the guard said that one man who had vital information that were very interested in rang Gron in 2017, I think, spoke to a detective uh, for over five minutes, said he called back, but, but never did. The guards are always appealing for that man to come forward, yeah? And if he could, because it would put closure for everything, like, you know, because this time of year, you know, uh, when his anniversary comes up, like, it's always in the head. And um, and as I said there, like, um, my dad was never the same, like, my dad, my dad went downhill after that, downhill to Jesus, he, he went desperate, like, you know. And then he got vascular dementia after that before he died, you know. Oh, he passed away. Robert passed away, did he? Oh, he did. He passed away. He, 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 he died in 1914 or uh, 2014. And do you think um, that his death was, was made more rapid because of Gussie's death? Oh, yeah. We, we could see the difference. Like, he wasn't the same fella after that. He wasn't the same fella. And um, he just was totally different after that. And um, he just got gradually worse, and then he ended up with the vascular dementia, and he ended up in the hospital then, and uh, he ended up in the home, and um, he died in uh, 2014, and uh, February 2014, and my, my uncle Billy died the month before them. So they were the last, my dad was the last of all the brothers. How do you feel about this? And what it did to um, Gossie, and what it did to your dad, and to your other uncle, and the whole family? Oh yeah, it was desperate because like, you could see me dad. Like if you knew me dad, like me dad was, me dad was eighty seven when he died, and three years before he died, he just went like me dad was self sufficient. Me dad would, you'd see me dad anywhere. He he cooked for himself and everything. And um, from then on, you just see him gradually getting worse and worse. And in the end, then he he just went he went downhill big time and for the last three years then he ended up in, in, a, in a home or so up to that um, up to up to about a year after Gussie dying he was you could see the major difference then you know Do you think the people who might have information or the individual who did call Grand Guards are afraid or of being threatened or uh, that maybe somebody would lean on them um, We reckon there that what happened was to, to whoever was with your man got hold of him before 
when when they realised what he was after doing, and that's why he didn't come forward. I'd say it's the rest of the gang. Has your man threatened, I'd say. So you reckon it was I a think. gang member that made the call to the guards? Oh, we, we reckon there, but there was a couple of them there because... Um, well, what happened in like no, there had to be there had to be more to tie oh, him up yeah. and everything. Yeah. There had to be there had to be two or three there, right, sir. Like even if he even if he blocked his number on a on a mobile phone or bought a pay as you go, blocked that number, called the guards, yeah. gave them the information I that they want and dumped the phone. Yeah. At least we'd know what happened then either. So this is a cold case investigation where Gardy revisit every single part of the file to yeah. see with the, the and pa- yeah. look, something new shows up. And they and they've asked the media to put it out there. That's why I'm having a conversation with you and thank you for going through it with me. Just to remind people, you know, to um bring it back to their front of their memory again that you know, thirteen years ago on this day, Gussie Hornerbrook was brutally murdered. Somebody out there has information and the guards want to hear from them anonymously. Um, they're still actively investigating this awful crime uh, on an elderly member of the community because, um, you know, how old was, was well, Gussie at the time? He was, uh, was he 73, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, he was 73, 74, he was about 25. Okay. okay. And um, Jesus wouldn't wish it on nobody and um, hopefully no family ever has to go through it. As you could see, the devastation there, you know. Without a doubt, and you've described it very vividly. Well, Gronenbroch Garda Station are uh, open to uh, anybody that might have informa- any information, even with the passage of time. Um, and they're on 494-6200, 494-6200. There, as you know, there's a confidential line as well. It's the one 800 one Who knows, John? Maybe somebody will come forward 13 years on. We'll just have to wait and see. With a bit of look there, you know, and somebody has a bit of a conscience and puts it to rest. Maybe it will make a difference by, by virtue of the fact that you described how your dad's life changed and how it hastened his own death. Maybe that might make a difference. Anybody who would have known me dad, my dad was fierce outgoing, and from, from that on, oh, there was a major, major change. It was unbelievable, it was changing him, you know. Okay, okay. Listen, thank you so much for taking the call again, John. Um, look after yourself and your, and your family and uh, let's see what happens with the Garda cold case, okay? Thanks, Neil. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you too. As a gentleman, if there ever was one, John Robert Hornybrook. So the Garda confidential line is 1-800-666-111. Um, Garda station is 494-6200. Like I, I from time to time get mail in the post. Sometimes it's handwritten. Well, it's always handwritten. No, no, it's not actually. Sometimes it's typed uh, and it could be a story or somebody's opinion or something that they want checked out or investigated. They don't send me a name. They don't give me their address. They just give me the bold facts. You could also do that with the guards. If you knew something, you could, um, you know, just get it down on paper and post it, um, you know, to any guard station anonymously. The guards will investigate it. And if it needs following up, they'll follow up on it. And you'll be out of the loop on this one, you know. 
So if you can't help, please do. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Well, we may be rapidly becoming a cashless society, but uh, Michael and Middleton says we're also becoming a lawless society. Last weekend, we had a number of out-of-control teens attack a young girl uh, Middleton, in Middleton just a number of days on from a recent attack that you reported on. Uh, the, this time, the local guard station was swamped by young adults demanding the release of the two arrested swamped the Garda station to demand the release of the two arrested for the alleged assault. Would you believe it? The scary thing is these couriers can do the hell what they like with no accountability for their actions. There's a gang calling themselves the Middleton Kings, modelled on the Dublin gangs, hell-bent on ruining people's lives for their own entertainment. Be more on the government's line to give the Gardaí extra powers to deal with these gangs rather than paying them millions of euro for standing at the side of the road manning unnecessary roadblocks. We also need to start fining the parents of these out-of-control thugs. If the fine goes without being paid, then stop their children's allowance for a few months. That would sort them out. It would actually. It would also pay the fine. Michal Martin, Leo Varadkar and Eamon Ryan need to man up and lead while they take their foot off the pedal, the degradation of society and values which has set in. This is why these problems are on the increase. We need to get tough, says Michael. Uh, we asked the guards, what's all that about? They said, on the 31st of October, Gardy responded to a group of youths in the area of Oliver Plunkett Place. They dealt with eight incidents of public order and one of criminal damage in which a youth threw eggs at a patrol car. All parents were contacted and those arrested will be dealt with under the juvenile diversion scheme. Separately, two men were also arrested for public order offences uh, at one in the morning. One is being dealt with by way of adult caution and the other was charged to appear at Middleton District Court. So that's what we know about that. But uh, I'm very interested in the in the story of them swamping the local Garda station, demanding the release of the Middleton 2. So um, if there's an update on that, we'll come back to it. A uh, lot of text then with regards to yesterday's programme on a selection of different items which I will come back to throughout the course of the morning. And also, a very heartfelt plea uh, from a young man by the name of Roy, a single man currently living in his car and in need of any help possible. He texted me with his fingers on his little mobile phone, a three-page, I was going to say email, actually it's a two-page, fills two A4 pages of his life and how things are bad and getting worse. As the winter sets in, it gets colder, uh, living in his motor car. So I want to get that on air as well between now and midday because he needs a, a bit of help. Lines are open, one 850 You can text 086-8104-106. Then there was much to do with babies' buggies from yesterday and people being refused entry uh, to the bus. And people who were forgotten by their mammies and daddies um, back in the day when they were inside in the pram and the mammy would go in shopping. Years ago, my mother and her sisters were shopping in town, uh, went to what was then the modern shop on Patrick Street. This was 40 years ago and placed me, I was about a year old, on a shelf in the shop while they were trying on clothes. Put me up on a shelf, she says. And then they left the store and forgot all about me. About 15 minutes later, while in another shop, they realized... We don't have the child. They returned and there I was, still sitting on the shelf amongst all of the shoppers. It was perfectly normal back then, babies in prams outside shops, babies on shelves even. Safe out in Cork, 
in the 1980s. Morning, listening to your programme and laughing, thinking of my sister over 40 years ago. She was living in an apartment in town with her husband and two children. One child was two years old, the other was a newborn. She went into Woolworths, Patrick Street, leaving the baby in the buggy just parked outside the door of the shop. Went about her business, went home... <laughs> And realized she forgot the baby in the buggy. I know it's not funny now, but it was then. She's a fantastic parent of four adult children, says Kate. Well, it's funny now, and I'm quite sure it was funny then. Because it could happen. (laughs) We all forget things, don't we? I mean, there is a chance you might forget your child. You might just get waylaid or, you know, um, sidetracked. Anyway, James, good morning. Morning. Anyway, back then it was all it was all cash, and yesterday's program featured people who were talking about that this cashless society where people can't get on buses without the right amounts of money or other shops won't take cash and only cards is only about control, is it? Well, that's my feeling, Mike, because it's another way of monitoring our movements, our spending, our income, our output. Uh, like I mean, yesterday on uh, on one of the stations, uh, for instance, in Clare somewhere, you cannot tax your car now only online. You cannot do your driving license unless you go with a credit or debit card in your own name. Is that COVID related, though? Let me ask. Apparently not. They made a statement saying they have no intention of changing. Yeah, so the driving license one I think is is not. Uh, you see, I think that could be unconstitutional. Like cash is still legal tender. Yeah. Of course, of so course you can't refuse it. Really, certainly a state they service are can. It. They are refusing it. They're turning people away. Now, like I mean, you look at what they've got on us at the moment. Everybody has an, a PPS number, an RSI number, public services card, driving license, passport. Irish Water have a lot of our RSI numbers. COVID app has. Your mobile phone has, Google has, like where, and they talk about data protection. Yeah, and, but and you know, somebody having somebody, yeah, you you would have a worry with somebody having your PPS number. Why? Well, all of that. Well, it's a way of tracing. I think what will happen, I'm, and I'm not one of those theorists, and I'm not laundering money. But I think what they want to have a situation that at the end of the year, everybody will have to do a tax return, something like America. And by using plastic, they will have exactly the amount you spend. And of course, they'll have exactly the amount you earn. And if there's discrepancies or whatever, it'll be very obvious. Yeah, um, I, I just think that with regards to cash, until it's no longer a legal tender or accepted, I don't think I don't think any state agency should be able to refuse it because older generations don't have cards. They only have but, cash. But they're doing so many of those things now under the guise of COVID. But that's going to come the norm. Is it for that's security reasons, do you think, that it's just okay. in the times we live in now, it's just too dangerous to keep cash on the premises? Well, let, let's put it for so Who's security? Is it the bank security or, or the law of the land? Well, let's it? say the business itself or its staff. I mean, now you hear of people with guns, shot off shotguns. Um, for God's sake, we hear of machetes and hammers and everything being used in robberies. Well, you also hear, like, during the, uh, the last few days, where two guys walked into a bank and cashed substantial amounts of money for, with, with checks. They're the two gouges out of Rathkeel, correct? Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, so where is the security? I mean, if you can't have the basic security in place, as in, if I go into cash a 10 euro check, or you do, you're probably going to be put through the ringer and told you'll have to lodge it. I like cash yeah. myself. I, I like having cash. 
Of course you do. Doesn't it give you a certain sort of... Um, well, I kind of know what I've got to spend. Like it's, I often find that it's way too easy with credit cards and debit cards because you don't have the value of holding the stuff in your hand, real money. It's painless. You just flash it. Like, I mean, even the flash on the card now has gone up to 50 euros, is it? I bet it won't come down. Yeah, but you the younger can... younger generations yeah. don't carry cash, so maybe we need to move with the times. They no, just no, well, don't. That's what they've been trained on. I know. No, it's just my feeling that, and I'm not being one of those sinister sort of theorists that think that it's all about Big Brother and all the rest. But I do think that they have too much information. I mean, data protection only works one way. It seems. If you want something, you can't get it. If they want it, they have everything they, they, it, they but, require. But if an OAP goes in for their pension to the local post office, they still give them cash, do they? Oh, but they do, yeah. I've seen cash counted out in the post office, yeah. yeah okay. And but would you be worried that that, all, that, that that also will stop? Oh, well, I think that's terrible. Because, okay, not everybody maybe is efficient in, 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 in electronics. For a start, not everybody has a computer. Not everybody even would want to use a card. You know, a lot, I see a lot of elderly people, much older than me, very efficient working the, the the cash machine and all the rest of it. But you know, you should have that option. Like I mean, certainly for somebody looking for their driving license, trying to get their driving license, if they live on their own, they can't bring somebody else. If they don't have a card, effectively, they cannot get their driving license if they don't have a, a plastic card. You can't do a drive. You can't get your license if you don't have a debit or a credit card. In your name, of course. Yeah. In your name, it has to be in your name. No good having another person's name or having the details or having the person with you apparently won't do. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. Let's get some more thoughts on it. Thank you. Text 0868104106. Yesterday I spoke to Nicole about the mice in her house, uh, and subsequently I had a very impassioned. Um, phone call with a friend of hers, a good friend of hers, Karen, was was on the air. Um, and a lot of people have been talking about that conversation uh, with Karen yesterday, who was talking on behalf of uh, her friend, Nicole. She had an awful lot more information during the, during her phone call with me than I had. Uh, but that's the way it goes. You know, you just, you just deal with the calls when you get them. Somebody said, I need a fag after that. Don't know about you, Neil. Uh, Karen needs to calm down a bit. Uh, well, I think she was just, you know, sometimes, you know, I can understand why people get emotional. It was a friend of hers and, you know, her friend has had a bad 12 months. So I accept that. I have no issue with that. That's my job. If tenants and landlords don't come up with a solution uh, to this issue, uh, then it's all wrong. Well, we'll have to see what happens. Sometimes coming on the air can make a huge difference. That girl, Karen, needs to slow down. Neil is correct in saying the... Neil is correct when he said agencies do not want people who they see as complainers. They want tenants who will take whatever properties they put up, that are put out there and want them to put up or shut up. I think, unfortunately, that's the reality of it. Kev says, we are we live rurally uh, and we use those devices that you plug in to give out the high frequency. Uh, you know, this is for keeping mice out or rats. We've never had a mouse in our house in five years. It's worth a shot, says Kev. Uh, is this landlord not responsible for all of the maintenance? Yes, the landlord is responsible for all of the maintenance. Um, but, you know, go tell Cork City Council that. I have issues with mice as well. I live in Mayfield. Get that woman off the air. You were trying to help the girl with her problem. You were not trying to help the girl with her life. Love the show, says Mary, Mary Jane. Um, my sister's having the same issues with another management company. She can't get any maintenance or repairs completed without being spoken to like dirt or like she is intentionally damaging the property. I personally think it's because she's a single mother and it's easy to treat her that way. She pays €963 Euro per month in rent. She qualifies for rent allowance. 
There's mould in her bathroom since day one and mould now in her daughter's room. They painted over it. Uh, and I have an email response to them admitting to this as well. Uh, Jerry says, well done in regard to highlighting housing issues that are, are, are out there in regard to renting and the conditions the people have to rent. Yeah, not just the conditions, but the prices that they have to pay these days. I'm on HAP, but I only ended up with it after a year of renting, paying 1100 a month for a one bed for myself and my son. I struggled big time. But I got lucky with my landlord. I gained their trust, I suppose, and I asked about HAP, and they were more than happy to agree to it. I'm still here three years later, paying €65 a week myself. I have a part-time job. My son is now seven, and I'm the same as Nicole, finding it so hard to get another apartment to accept HAP. Why, Why aren't you happy where you are? Sounds to me as if you got a great landlord. HAP is paying the bulk of it. You're paying the 65 a week. Uh, and you don't describe it as being a kipper or anything like that. Um, tell whoever stated you cannot sort out the world's problems. That sometimes a desperate situation requires desperate measures. Remember, uh, by Nicole phoning into your show, sounding nervous, by the way, it's highlighting what needs to be addressed immediately, especially when the professionals didn't deal with their problem. Isn't it amazing that it was two or three men who disagreed with Karen? I believe Karen spoke very well, by the way. Uh, It was men that felt Karen was wrong. Easily known they don't have a newborn in a cot living with mice running around their home. Great show all the same, though. Keep up the good work. Yes, that was particularly disturbing that um, uh, that she found uh, a mouse under the blanket uh, trying to gnaw its way through the baby's bottle. That was a big problem for me. Uh, So more on that and lots more besides after 10. But just back to the phone lines. Dan, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Okay, just a quick one here. Uh, what are we on? A police state, is it? That's right, that's right. I mean, you said, like, on, on the cock examiner yesterday, they are now, like, on, on the, the examiner itself. But um, there was an article there from the social welfare that they have the powers now to come into a person's home, search their home to see what they have and what they haven't got. And do you know what? Just to get more like a police state, things are bad enough with this lockdown. So what's this all about? I know there's probably a lot of... Um, well, if, 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 say, for instance, I've spoken to this with people on the air on this for a long, long time. What if somebody has, is fraudulently claiming off the state different benefits? Um, well, I know, there was a case here yeah, a couple of months ago, there wasn't there someone who drove hundreds and hundreds of thousands and that's a good example somebody whose parent has died um, but someone else who might be claiming all sorts of benefits uh, working um, having a partner who shouldn't be there in the house also working and the trappings of a really great life that say their neighbours haven't got right like two cars four, you know, we hear the stories two cars and four on holidays and they're reported, and they're reported yeah. to welfare what's supposed to be yeah, done right. about it? You see, there's a, lot, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of other people who are after moving back in with their parents, you know? And I, I know I know it was, and they're probably, they should be paying extra rent or something. But I mean, you said, like, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, all this is totally, just like a police state. I mean, you said, you know, it's, that's an invasion of privacy anyway in my books. To come into a person's home, search it up, upside down. I mean, that's totally wrong. Well, one girl, one girl said, a single parent. One one girl said that the officials came into her house, went into her bedroom, and went through her drawers. That's right. They are going through everything in the house. That's totally wrong. More than a Jesus tonight. What's the coming to like? Would you need a warrant for that? Wouldn't you need a guard to be there? Well, I think there have to be an issue with special powers on there. I think they, you know, if you don't answer the door, I suppose the girls would be called anyway. You know. 
You don't you don't have to allow anybody into your home unless it's a Garda with a warrant. You just, you just I mean, don't. You, you, you probably get the frosters going along now, saying they're from the social welfare, searching people's homes. I see outside of this. No, but uh, back to the point I'm making. When there is fraud, right, what do people want done about it? Do they want it investigated? Do they want welfare officials to call around and ask questions at all? Are they okay with the fraud? I mean, so there's a lot of people, I suppose, they'd be, they'd, you know, for some people, they have always spite their phone up, their phone up the social welfare, about so and so and so and so, and they come in, so that person could be as innocent as anything. Do you understand what I mean? I mean, so this is going to drive people over the edge altogether. Honest to God, it is like, things are bad enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, I, I, know, I know that, but um, again, it's not answering the question. Do you want welfare fraud investigated? Well, I suppose, you know, it's going on, it's going on, isn't it? Is that a yes? It's gone on since time began, I suppose, really. But I mean, to say, like, hey, there's going to be a lot of trouble. There's going to be a lot of trouble, all of it. Where's, where, where, where's this? Who's after issuing these powers? Like, you know, who's behind all this? Is this another deflection away from this COVID thing? There's something all right. If they, if, if they go into, say, a house... And they have good reason to believe that whoever is in there is is coining, is getting huge coin off the state. Is is it acceptable then if they're getting it fraudulently? Well, so they wouldn't, of course, would it? No, you're saying you know? it's not acceptable. No. Okay. No, right. no, it wouldn't be, of course. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone, 1850104106. Back in a minute. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Another issue, of course, um, uh, that we dealt with yesterday was mice and all of the issues that, say, Nicole is having in the house. And um, I don't know whether she considered getting in a cat. I don't mean that in a kind of a jokey manner. It's just people are saying, I know you're talking about these high-frequency plugins and you're talking about baits and traps and everything. The best of them all is one simple thing, a cat. Uh, listening here to uh, Karen tearing into Neil about Nicole's problem, it's horrendous that this girl has been living with mice in a rental property, but it's not Neil's fault. Uh, he did give the girl airtime and has been trying to get her the help she needs. This friend of Nicole's is just looking for a fight and needs to calm down. I don't believe for a minute that Neil was on the side of the property management company, but I do hope the girl gets all the help she needs in getting rid of the mice with a newborn baby. It's disgusting in this day and age that this is allowed to happen. To her friend Karen, please stop and think before you attack people. You didn't let Neil get a word in edgeways. Well, thank you for that, but it doesn't bother me in the slightest. I think I did manage to get my points across uh, throughout the course of the conversation. And I also bear in mind that people get emotional and uh, sometimes... Uh, when you are talking on behalf of a friend where all of the information isn't out there, um, you know, maybe you get a little bit hot under the collar. And that's that's fine, too. You know, not a bother there. I remember my mother, God rest her, left me outside the Savoy while she ran across to get my Christmas presents, uh, an action man tank in Rocha stores. She told me to wait, stand there. I'll be back in five minutes. The shop was obviously busy, so by the time she came back, dragging a wrapped-up tank, I was bawling at having been abandoned and also surrounded by a gaggle of concerned mothers who let my mother know in so uncertain terms that there was disdain at me being abandoned by her. Well, I can tell you, I was murdered all the way to Blarney on the bus while asking her through the tears, What's in the bag, ma'am? What's in the bag, ma'am? I'm nearly 50 now and she's gone nearly 20 years. I can still remember that day vividly, says John in Blarney. Well, my friend, thanks for sharing. I wonder if you still have the action man 
tank. Okay, a little bit of housekeeping now. Uh, it's Free Food Friday today with Oak Fire Pizza, and you can pick up your pizzas yourself. Uh, check them out on the website, oakfirepizza.ie. They have three locations, Princess Street, Clonakilty, and Bandon. Although, I'll be murdered for saying it, a little birdie has told me uh, that uh, Oak Fire Pizza, I believe, are opening a new location uh, in uh, early December, I believe. Um, uh, so that's great. So it'll be another one uh, probably somewhere in and around uh, the city. So uh, watch this space. So for now, Princess Street, Clonakilty and Bandon. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 and we have uh, 10 large pizza vouchers to give away uh, which you can then reclaim at any of the locations, Princess Street, Clonakilty and Bandon. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 as well as that, it's our final day of giveaways for the Cork International Film Festival. Starts Sunday, runs right across the week. It's the 6th 65th and it's happening online. You know all about it now if you've been listening all week. Uh, I won't have to go through much of the detail apart from the fact that you can download the app CIFF 2020. So we're giving away digital passes again today and it is all based on identifying firstly the beeped out word or words secondly uh, the actor uh, and thirdly the movie. So don't call just yet uh, but do have a listen. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't... <laughs> now, on this one now, I just want the main actor, not the second ones. Okay, okay. so that's uh, the beeped out word or words, the actor and the movie. And I'll play it again a couple of times between now and midday today. But I mentioned much earlier on this morning that the Cadbury's finger or Cadbury's have given the finger to people who like the fudge bar fingers. They're another victim of shrinkflation because they've shrunk the Cadbury's fudge by 12%. Now, they say that they do these things to put in a calorie cap <laughs> to combat childhood obesity. Ah, fair play to them. But the price never goes down. Like, it happened with Maltesers. Uh, the worst culprits are bread and cereals. They're the ones that change in size most. Bird's eye fish, fish fingers, Kellogg's, Kellogg's Cocoa Pops. I mean, the list is endless. I always thought when I used to like, pick up a Cadbury's Moro bar, for instance, um, or, or something like that, or a Curly Whirly, I always thought it was that my hand had got much bigger. But it isn't that. Like, the bars are smaller and smaller and smaller. So you have, um, as I said, Cocoa Pops, Mr. Kipling, McVitie's, Jaffa's, even toilet roll. We start on toilet roll, but all sorts of bottles. The a lot of the bottles and the sprays and the bleaches that you use, all of those have been victims of shrinkflation. They say in the UK the same thing has happened with uh, with the amount of you know size of a box of tea bags. That would never happen with berries, incidentally. Orange juice, you know the tuna tins or the the salmon tins. What you might be buying, um, you know cheese, Doritos, crisps. M&M's, Galaxies, Toblerone's, another example of the Toblerone getting smaller. Uh, Kit Kats, far from as chunky as they used to be, apparently. So shrinkflation, does it wreck your head? Emma Hill was out and about on Patrick Street talking about that, about the things that they love shrinking down through the years. Rancheros. Oh, they're going so small. Yeah, there's nothing, doesn't need a handful. That's it. Nothing in a bag. You have to buy a six-pack to get a bag. The tato crisps, there's less in them in tato crisps at the moment. Cheese and onion. We always used to buy the multi-pack, and now you'd notice you open up and there's only a handful of crisps in there. Do you notice the bars of Cadbury chocolate? They've got thinner. 
than what they used to be. That's the main thing that I've noticed now, and one of the only things. I can't think of anything else, but I'm, it appears that's the case with a lot of different products. The old-fashioned wagon wheels, the quality has uh, gone down from years ago. I can see a big difference in the quality of things, because I'm sure if anyone remembers the, the wagon wheels, they used to be lovely and um, they used to be lovely and spongy and the, the biscuit was lovely and white and now it's sort of dark brown and very thin. Chipsticks, they're not the same either. There's loads of change really, even uh, tato snacks. Yeah, from when we're younger, yeah, like yeah, definitely. There's less less flavour on them, I suppose. From what I've seen, things have just gotten kind of bigger, like um, big dairy milks now. Those went around when I was a kid, and potato bags and stuff have gotten bigger. But um, you don't really get your bang for your buck so much because just take the potato packets for for exist for example. Um, I don't think there's more in them just because the package is bigger like half it's just air uh, so it's just kind of a waste of packaging really onion rings do have gotten smaller the bars as well like for Christmas the tins and stuff as well are also smaller like and you know sweets ice cream fat frogs or the ice style fat frogs they were cool I think there's a, a lot of stuff that they're getting like smaller more expensive the likes of like dermot bars like, they don't taste the same at all as they used to be and like Lucasade Lucasade this is a big one for me I used to drink a lot of it uh, for college and stuff but um, not anymore it, just, it doesn't taste the same at all anymore so yeah I'd say Lucasade Cadbury's chocolate bars are much smaller than they used to be the Christmas tins are smaller than they used to be um, we miss out on a lot of things that we had when we were smaller I remember Snickers bars changing sizes over the years I don't know did they change flavour or did they just condense everything into a smaller size but I definitely remember them being bigger but I know potatoes if you ever get the 12 packs the size and flavour of the packets are way different from when you just get the single one so if you ever stock up just get a load of the single ones rather than the 12 packs just a sugar puffs so like I said nearly every kind of sweet or draw getting smaller draw getting they are declining they are getting smaller so there's so one thing I made or miss not much on flavour just in just in the the size of the bar and the price of it. I definitely do agree we get a lot less for our money these days. Um, I think recently I was in the cinema and I noticed that the size of the Maltesers pouch and the money you pay for it is definitely not worth it anymore. Sometimes you're just better off going into Tesco before the cinema. Um, I also loved Terry's Chocolate Orange until I saw the size of the Terry's Chocolate Orange lately and you're kind of just worth buying a little bar of Terry's Chocolate Orange for the same price. Aren't people fierce clued in all of the same? I mean, they don't miss much. People do notice. You notice that all of these people, different opinions on actual products. I'm not so sure how cinemas feel about people going into Tesco and stocking up with all of their junk and then going into the cinema with it. And also, I love the one because we all know of this. You have these days in a crisp packet, you've got more air than crisps. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Free Food Friday today with Oak Farm Pizza. Some shout-outs. I've been working from home since March. I work for the local bank. Don't, uh, I'm not giving up on Neil. This please, please feed me, says Kira. Another one from Keanu Sullivan and Carol's Key. He's just found out that he's an uncle this morning. And me and his buddy Dan think his favourite pizza would settle his stomach uh, for the year of free labour he's about to give his sister for the new baby. Congratulations to the new family member from 
Dan and Mark. Oak Fire Pizza, please, for a loyal listener. I'm at home working at home. Oh, sorry, out of work. Sorry to hear that. Due to COVID. That's Laura, Lorraine Owens in Glanmire. I love the program. One of your vouchers, please. I just dropped my son off to school. Listen to you every morning, uh, says Mary down in Skib. So you could pick one up in Clonakilty, I suppose. Andrea says in Silver Springs here, we'd love uh, Free Food Friday. Pizza, it's my daughter's favourite. And it's also her 15th birthday. We'd love it to win it for her lockdown birthday. Morning all, Steve and the lads in Stryker and Tullagrena. Uh, they're the deburring team. I wonder, should that be debugging? Or is deburring an actual thing? Ashling says, Free Food Friday, please. I'm working down in Fionn Ishka Holistic Centre in Bandon. Morning to you and to everybody at Pat O'Donnell's Volvo in Glanmire. Uh, working around the clock during the clock during the pandemic to keep Volvo machinery running for the farmers. Um, we'd love to nominate Crowley's Construction in Aherla and to everybody at Glasheen Boys School for your Free Food Friday. Doing an amazing job keeping everybody safe. Morning from all of the crane drivers down in the port of Ringa Skiddy. Argos and Maham Point are doing the business and everybody at Little Island Transport as well. Gate Childcare in Little Island. Free Food Friday for everybody working from home for the CSO. CSO's been number crunching at home since March, says Claire. ABC Taxis looking after the public 24 hours a day, 365. Everybody at designstore.ie in Yall. And DD Security in Ballycoreen. The engineers are out on site, but they've never been so happy if uh, they came back and there was pizza to share. Morning to everybody at Sheehan's Butchers in Glanmire working through COVID um, never moaning never complaining but always a hungry bunch so keep those uh, shout outs coming text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 uh, 106 apparently a burr is a raised edge or a small piece of material that remains attached to a workpiece. Uh, it's usually an unwanted piece of material it's removed with a deburring tool so the process is correct it is called deburring you're on fire, Mark Willington. I thought it was a typo and it should be debugging, but deburring is an actual job. Okay, I did promise that I'd check back in again to see how things were going. Now, I know Santa Claus is doing the business up at the North Pole and himself and the elves are working away and tipping away and making all of the toys. But what about all of the other stuff that you need, right? The extra bits and pieces. Uh, Dahi O'Connor is uh, at oh, it's disappeared off the screen. He's, he's the owner of World of Wonder here on Lisa, and he joins me by phone. Dahi, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. And, and of course, again, the, the age-old argument whether or not a toy shop is a, an essential service or not, one would, some would suggest that it is. But you're click and collect, aren't you? Well, we're doing call and collect up there in, in World of Wonder in, in the North Point Business Park in, in uh uh, Blackpool. So we're doing click and collect, or call and collect, and email and collect at the moment. And then we have our online store, worldofundertoys.ie, and we ship some from our Blackpool store as well. Good. So Good. that's keeping us ticking over, but only ticking over really at the moment, given that this is, is our busiest time of the year and um, we wouldn't exist. The toy shops wouldn't exist. Specialist toy shops wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Christmas. I don't think any other week. I know. Really, and that's why you're really anxious to, to get open again, uh, ASAP. Yeah, yeah, we are. And look, we feel we have a, a very good case to get open. Um, I do believe it is, is, is as close to an essential service as you can get. Uh, is your time. problem, is your problem that in the online world you're competing with Amazon? You're competing with Amazon, you're competing with, with a huge investment to do online. We have invested money in it, but it, it's very difficult to, to shift the amount of toys uh, at this, particularly at, at this very busy time of year, through an online website. 
uh, that you would ship through a store, you know, on yeah. our website. We'd I know. Have three or four thousand items, but in a store you could have fifteen thousand items. I know, I know. And uh, it's not the so, same experience for toys. Yeah, so it's and not. it's more time consuming. Uh, we're, we're doing business on it, and it's working for us. And we're improving, you know, putting more items on. But really, to 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 get the sales you require at Christmas, and, and we do forty percent of our sales in the last ten weeks. No other retailers do that. Uh, you really do need your stores open. You do. Squeeze, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to squeeze those sales into twenty four days is going to be really difficult for, for toy I, shops. But can I ask you because much of it is coming from way over in the east, the likes of China and places like that. And and I'm hearing that there were production issues because much of the production was halted for a long time. Then there are shipping issues. Are there particular gifts and toys and presents that are in short supply? There were production issues initially because uh, China shut down but China opened up very quickly and, um, and they started producing again. So China really got got back into production um, pretty early on because obviously they got a grip of the pandemic. Uh, uh, what has happened really logistically distribution wise with with transport and distribution hubs that, you know, got COVID infections, it's, it has slowed down, um, uh, has slowed down uh, deliveries. Uh, of everything, is it? Well, of a lot of things, yeah. Things are coming in slower uh, than they would normally because of the pandemic. Because going, even going through ports is taking a longer time because things have to be checked more the social distancing in the I know it's lovely. no I just so heard of issues regarding bikes and, and Playstation 5 and jigsaws yeah they would be a pandemic product with people stuck at home you know people that probably never hadn't cycled for years bought a bike and, and there's only so many bikes and that's worldwide not just Ireland so uh, um, certain toys were like that too jigsaws and games when people were stuck at home jigsaw sales went through the roof and uh, there is a shortage of jigsaws in the world because it is a pandemic uh, toy as well and some arts and crafts so if you're sitting at home and nothing to do all day um, these were the perfect uh, biking uh, I sent some photographs yesterday from somebody who's taken up beading do you you know what that is it's like painting with beads it's it's quite there's all that kind of arts and crafts it's quite intricate actually that kind of arts and crafts they're probably getting stuff from vibes and scribes or something you know but it looks like a piece of art we have yeah we have lots of crafts as well from kids up to adults uh, and there's a big variety there so that is a good thing at least there's a big choice in that Um, whereas bikes is probably pretty specific and just there was huge demand for it but uh, I've got a particular particular issue in the toilet and I believe we should should be given some sort of concession to open maybe as garden centres were um, in spring uh, uh, given that people you know they were at home and they wanted to work on their houses and gardens so garden centres and hardware stores were, were given yeah, yeah. special consideration um, toy shops I believed are deserving of it and if we got open even 10 days earlier I would close for two weeks after Christmas because we don't do sales. But would you control the numbers going in and out then? You, you we would. control the numbers all the time anyway. We have signs at the door. We have people on the doors. We're limiting people into the shops. That was going on for the last number of months anyway. And um, just to show on how you know other other non-essential retailers will have huge January sales. Um, they won't. might even do more, more business 
in the in the two weeks after in January than they would the two weeks before. But toy shops, we, we just sales don't work. We don't have sales. Um, if you don't sell an item by December the twenty fourth, you're not going to sell it on on uh, December the twenty sixth. Well, you know, this conversation is important in many different ways, including yeah. the uh, issue of telling people that if at all possible, try and buy local, try and buy Irish, try and buy local. Yeah, yeah. We, we really are the only retailers that are confined to that twenty four days to sell everything. Whereas if you're you know a clothing shop. If you don't sell it on December 24th, you will have a big sale on, on, on December the 26th and you will move product at that stage. Have you, yeah, have you managed to put together uh, a top 10? Yeah, look, it's a difficult year because with this stop start opening of um, uh, toy shops, so it's, it's kind of not a lot of new ranges got, got launched this year because of the pandemic. Um well, look, we'd, we'd be looking at LOL still as a big, big item, the LOL uh, Surprise OMG and Plane. Um, just gone back to traditional toys as well. We have Black & Decker Workbench, which is an old, you know, a toy workbench for kids. But it's not an actual uh, work and drill or anything, no? No, it's plastic. It has a little electronic drill <laughs> with it and the whole, it's a mini, mini version, uh, uh, replica of, of the Black & Decker Workbench, you know, kids. I love it. Those toys have been around for years and they're kind of back again and your normal, our generation dolls, make a doll or whatever, that's a, you know, a standard doll that you remember from years ago. Um, uh, Supermar- Maxi Supermarket was a big item at the moment, so with supermarkets being the only retailers open, I suppose that's <laughs> maybe some extra interest there. Um, the Dino Patroller from Paw Patrol, uh, going back to a traditional toy, Monopoly Irish, or Irish edition of Monopoly has been selling very well. That games again, that people are at home. Um, Lego launched Mario World, so the Mario World Lego is, is very popular at the moment. Uh, and there's a Got to Go Flamingo, it's a kind of a new window item that seems to be selling well at the moment. Um, just as Ashley Wooden's Doll's House, just a standard Doll's House, say for Barbie dolls. Um, they're popular, so it's back to traditional toy playing again. Um, and one of our bigger lines there is the John Deere X tractor. So for all the farming communities there, that's just a, a, a ride-on tractor. <laughs> is it a, is it a battery-powered ride-on John Deere tractor? No, it's, it's a pedal, a pedal, pedal-powered, <laughs> pedal-powered. So it's good for exercise. And um, in the art and craft area that you were talking about, the tie-dye. And I don't know if you remember yourself, tie-dye was big back in the seventies and eighties with people tie-dyeing t-shirts and that's very popular again um, a kind of a, a lockdown toy so we have the Fab Lab tie-dye kit for our kids you know get their old t-shirts and old yeah don't recycle it tie-dye it instead yeah. you know you talk about stuff from the 70s I was reading an article this morning of an elderly couple who were left a lot of Star Wars Wars, Wars toys still in their boxes by a neighbour in their will they didn't know what they have but the toys individually were selling for 36,000, 30,000, 15,000. And when they added it all up, they made 445 grand on Darth Vader and his friends. Like, are there big money item t- toys that get more expensive over the years? Certain toys do, and the collectors are big for the franchises like Star Wars, particularly. Uh, Star Wars is probably the biggest one. Um, there are others out there as well, but if you have a Star Wars that went back in, in its box, going back to the original 1976 film, you, it would be worth a lot of money. That's almost a different collector's market, and children, it's not really a children's market. People, in, they are in their 50s or 60s. They're the big fans, um, and that's a fan's market. Uh, 
yeah, it's 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 you know if you keep something, look, it's, it, but time is the thing that makes us valuable and rarity. So I think the fact that back then nobody really thought this would happen. There's so few that are in their box that makes these items when they do come up really expensive. So, for instance, if somebody had original Star Wars Star Wars toys in their box, they could be sitting on you know twenty yeah, or thirty. Had, yeah, no one thought. Very few people back in the seventies thought thought that that would be the case. So there's, there's so few of them. That's why they're that's why they're so uh, expensive, and that's why they they take, you know that's why they they command such high prices. This made nearly half a million. Originals are the same, but look, Mandalorian is a big one now. But Toy Story people. originals in their box. But when you say, is it a grand, five grand, ten grand? What? It wouldn't be our market, but yeah, they could go into hundreds. Yeah, if you had an original Toy Story item from the first film um, and kept in its box, it would be worth a lot of money too. Not, not as much as Star Wars because it's another twenty years old or whatever. But yeah, so it's the yeah. it's time makes the difference. Then time makes time makes the difference. Yeah, because yeah, the auctioneer in this story that I read said they send me photographs of about ten things. But to be honest, I only went because it's only about four miles down the road from my shop, he said. But when I walked in, this is the old age pensioner's house, he said, I found a double garage piled high with bin bags full of toys. It's the best Star Wars collection I've ever seen. And it sold for just under half a million. Amazing. Yeah, that's like finding a, a, a pharaoh's tomb in Egypt now in early territory. <laughs> or the lesser watch that Del Boy found in his lockup. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I don't think most of the toys you're selling now will end up at that at that market level, but you'd, you'd never know. Um, but look, our, at the moment, our big issue is just we have you know we're trying to get the toy toy retailers and local toy retailers, like most regional toy retailers. Um, uh, you know, we've a lot of toys lift up in the warehouses. We have had this only the last couple of weeks to get, to get them out the door. So we kind of need every bit of support we can. Okay, I don't have any details of, of your web address or your click service. Worldofwondertoys.ie is is our web address, and then our our email would be wowblackpool2020 at gmail dot com. Well, I can get them onto the that, that's where they can email if they want to get a uh, uh, call and collect. Okay, so did you say worldofwondertoys.ie? Yeah, worldofwondertoys.ie, and look, it's. As I said, my push here is trying to get look, some bit of pressure, maybe customers out there, to think that uh, if we can get get toys open, there's probably only a hundred toy stores in the country, specialist toy stores in the country, it would make uh, no difference to the spread of COVID at this stage. And if they extended the limit, then maybe a bit because regional toy shops, you know, if you're in a, if you're in Dublin and within five k, you could have two hundred. That's right. They're saying that this morning about buying a Christmas tree and everything. The trees should yeah. be outside the five k limit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, what you, like if you're living in Dublin and have a shop, you, you know, you could have half a million people in, within five kilometers. If you're living in a small town, you know, we have a shop in Mallow. Five uh, k around Mallow will only have twenty thousand people, fifteen thousand people. You need, you know, most of our customers would come. 30, 40 kilometers away. All right. Okay. Well, it's listen. A bit of a, it's uh, it's it's a bit more difficult to get people in with this fight. With the fight I know, I know, but you, know? you never know what the coming weeks will bring. Us a Not at all. It's just good to get the message out there. Support yeah, local, yeah. buy local, and good luck to you. Thanks, Dahi, for now. Cheers. Okay. No problem. Thank you. World of Wonder in Blackpool in the retail park. Um, 
I didn't actually, it's not the retail bar. The, I'll get you the full address and I'll recap again on uh, the uh, web address if you want to click and collect and see what they have available. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Okay, worldofwonder.ie and they're at the North Point Retail Park in Blackpool. And the girl who wasn't left on the bus because she only had a 20 spot, uh, drivers won't like me for saying this, but we checked with Bus Aaron and they say that bus drivers must take the 20 and give change out of it, assuming that they have enough change and she said that she saw that he had changed. Mind you, some people are saying the girl that wasn't on, couldn't get on the bus, couldn't she have gone to a shop and got change ahead of the bus if she had money on her? Uh, that could have been easy to do and she could have got the bus uh, at another stop or another bus. Not saying the bus man was right. He was very wrong, but she had an opportunity, surely, to change the 20. My son got on a bus after school last year by the Western Road heading to Denny's Cross. He had 20 euro on him. He had no change, but the driver wouldn't let him on the bus, told him to get off the bus. It was lashing rain. At the time, I was tempted to complain to Bus Aaron, but didn't. But if anything had happened to him walking, I would held the bus driver personally responsible. Uh, we should uh, can't come on air in work, but should they take an underage person if they have no money? I think perhaps they should. What's the company's policy? Well, I don't know about that. Like you could every, you'd have every kind of chancer then jumping on and off buses because they're underage saying, I don't have any money. You have a duty of care to me. I worked as a bus driver on bus errand. I had a guy came on the bus one day who handed me a 50 euro note for a two euro fare. All I had was coins. So I told him and he accepted it. I gave him back 48 euro in two euro coins. When I got to Parnell Place, he complained me to the inspector for giving him his change in coins. Oh, my God. What a head wreck. Regarding the girl in CIT, from listening to her mother this morning, she said the girl got off the bus herself. In Bus Aaron, you are damned if you do and damned if you don't. I left Bus Aaron a while back and I would never go back there again. The terrible abuse from the great public and the bullying from management isn't worth it. Happy out doing what I'm doing now, says Cheer, says Steve. Apparently he got too much grief from the public. Hi, Neil. Uh, we're behind the times when it comes to paying on the bus. Why can't we pay with our card like in the UK? Just tap when you get on if you have no change. Um, I'm a bus driver and if I had no change of 20, I would have let her on as it's not the customer's fault that I have no change, especially if she was a regular. Often, uh, if it was the last bus and a customer had no money, I'd let them on for free just to get them home. Common sense has to prevail. However, it would be better for that girl to get herself a leap card. The fares would be 30% cheaper, says Martin, the bus driver. Morning, I've come across some obnoxious bus drivers. One day I was outside UCC waiting for a bus that was already delayed. And when it pulled up, I accidentally dropped my two euro. As it was bending down to pick it up, the driver closed the door and just drove off. It was pouring rain at the time. I ended up walking to the train station from town. Well... That is an obnoxious thing to do. It really and truly is. I wonder, did that driver get a kick out of doing that? Listening to the lady on the air over the bus situation, people are like robots nowadays, stifled with being with being compliant and what have you. Where is the discretion gone anymore? For a two euro bus fare? Surely they drop more than that on the ground at the bus station. My dad was a bus driver for 40 years and he always let the odd struggling individual on. Um, shocked listening to that lovely woman about her daughter on the bus. What sort of a driver is he? You wouldn't mind? They're so nice, them drivers. He must be the one and only. What is two euro? In the name of God, the poor girl. 
Thank God she got home safe, says Marie. And there's, oh, there's a lot then on buggies versus runners, you know, as to who is right away on the footpath. That got a bit heated yesterday. So I will come back to all of that. I mentioned there when I was talking about World of Wonder, right, and the different hobbies that people took up over the uh, period of the pandemic and COVID and having time on your hands and particularly during the earlier lockdown. Uh, A lot of people took up knitting. Others took up crocheting. And more took up beading. And I will send some photograph, uh, some examples by photograph of beading, um, where they actually end up in a frame, like a painting or a photograph. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How things? You're a professional beader, am I right? <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself a professional beader. Well, from what, I've seen in the, uh, from what I've seen in the frames, it looks yeah. very professional to me. Yeah, they're, they're a nice job in fairness. Basically, um, just before we start, I actually sent more on to you this morning. Well, I've only got the one in front of me here now, and it's a beautiful, beautiful house with trees yes, and plants yes, and yes, shrubs yes, yes. and blue skies. Well, yeah, just to make it, just to make it, uh, just to put you up to scratch, we sent three on the other day to be truthful. As you said, one of them was, one of them you have in front of you. So what we also done this morning, we sent, we have 11 of them here framed at the moment of all different things, and we have three unframed. So what we done was we sent on the ones this morning to you, and we showed you, we showed you the instruments that are used to make them. Okay, I have none of that. No, so just just we're talking about tens of thousands of individual coloured beads, are we? You in, are. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. you buy them in in, in individual you buy, bags. You buy them in little packs, and they're all different colours. Okay. Right. Where do you get them? You can, well, we got them from Wish to be truthful. Okay. Right. So basically, what is you get um, a photograph of. Of, of, the, of the house now, as you said, in front of it. And there's all different numbers for the different colours. Okay? Yeah. And the colours are, what, what numbers correspond with the colours on the side. Okay. So then what you get is a little pen, and you get a tiny bit of glue, and you put the glue onto the end of the pen, and you stick the pen onto the bead, and the bead onto the, onto the frame. And and this is a very slow process of like oh, I know people I know you can paint by numbers so you can bead by numbers yeah. except that they're tiny you can see the size of little beads and um, do you find it therapeutic? Oh, unbelievable! Altogether. Do you find it addictive? Because look, I, at the, what happened was we well, I retired there a couple of years ago and we started doing them a couple of years ago then we stopped. We gave them to friends and people like that. So I said to the wife, why not go back and do them during lockdown, which we did. And as I said to her, look, they're sitting here. Maybe if I said them into need, somebody might take them and pay for them for charity or something. We don't mind what you do. I'm, I'm happy so, to share the photographs online for sure I am and see if you yeah, can drum yeah, up yeah. some money for, for charity. You yeah, did, um, I mean, you, did said, a, you did a Disney princess for... Um, oh yeah, we did. Yeah, I can't, a granddaughter. Yeah, yeah we done we done one actually. It took a hundred, well, we timed, timed it. It took a hundred walking hours within the two of us. There was 63,000 beads in it. <laughs> I I gave it to my grandchild to be truthful. Now I was at my daughter-in-law yesterday. She said she she was old at the time, and she said she'll try and send on a photograph of it. And if I do get a photograph of it, I'll send it in to you. But so, it was a tedious job, by the way, telling you. But, but uh, yeah, it's very therapeutic to be truthful. Very. <laughs> It's like I mean, it's you know jigsaws. You you start yeah, yeah, off with yeah, a jigsaw yeah, yeah. with the best with all the best will in the world, yeah. but after a period of time, 
you know, the appetite for it wears off, you know what I mean? No, no, like I tell you something for nothing. If there was if there was two beer mats stone that we put together, I wouldn't get them right. <laughs> but my wife is very good at jigsaws, so it's a bit truthful. <laughs> but I found this I found this very, very interesting, to be honest with it. You know, so and do, like, do you do it together, the two of you, yeah, in a well, little room in silence? We might swap around, and if we got a bit tired of that, we swap around, and I take over hers, and she take over mine. Because, like, when you do a jigsaw with two people, I do jigsaws with my daughter, but invariably it ends up in rows because I'm trying to oh, force yeah. the wrong piece well, into it. As I said, I don't do jigsaws, but my wife and a friend across the way they do them, and they seem to get out fairly well to be truthful. But I wouldn't even try a jigsaw. <laughs> Sorry. That's the truth, but no. <laughs> but these are, like, as I said, these are nice items to be truthful, as you're going to see. Could you do beading of cork locations, I wonder? Will but you, you be know, able to eventually do it without the numbers? No, just see, no, I don't, I don't think so to be truthful, and let's be honest about it. You see, I mean, I was only looking at them very again this morning, and there's some beautiful ones that could be done of flowers and animals. And Yeah, but my oh. challenge to you now is Shandon and beads. No, so if, if, you could, if you can get the beads in Shandon, I'll do them. I know. With Well, you go away and buy a langer load of beads. I will. And but do I Shandon would, without the numbers. No, no, I wouldn't be able to do it. No, and that's been truthful. No, I couldn't do it worth the numbers, and that's been honest. Well, <laughs> you need the instructions. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not that crap. I don't want to be truthful. <laughs> only, only for the numbers, I'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen. Um, I, I will get the rest of the photographs of your work and yeah. indeed Linda's work your wife yeah. uh, we'll post them online see if we can drum up some dosh for charity what do you think yeah, no what I can do if it's if it suits you if it doesn't I have them here if it suits you I can I'm only living in Ballincollig if it suits you I can drop them into the station I doubt if that would work under the current restrictions that we're okay, living under no for problem. now I doubt, but no we problem. can work on that in the future the photographs are the ones we'll use with first and see how we go yeah. with it alright as right? I said she has sent them all in here and if, if you you would have a better idea what to do with them than what I would to be okay, told so to you, and Pat, and your good wife, Linda, and Balancholic, let's see if we can make the most of it. Okay, Trump and as you done. said, if they're here, and if anybody, you can just give me a buzz and... You got it. Be back to you, Pat. Okay. Okay. Appreciate cheers, it. Take care. cheers for now. Beading. Beading. Another one for your uh, um, time off, maybe, experience to de-stress um, and uh, relax and chill out. Beading. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, bogies versus runners from yesterday's program. I loved your comments on the text the runner sent in. Bogies can be heavy, then with a baby or toddler on board, and if they're shopping on board, it's even harder again to maneuver. What an absolute stain on society the texters who complain about bogies is. As I walk in, the next thing this woman roared at me to move. She was actually running on the footpath with a three-wheeler buggy. (laughs) Okay, so... A double whammy, a runner with a buggy, and she frightened the heart out of me. I was daydreaming away, enjoying my walk. That's just not on her roaring at you as you're as you're walking along, and she running with a three wheeler. Like what did she roar? You know what I mean? Like she like that's not on on a footpath. There are people walking. Never realised how difficult it would be to get around with a buggy until I had a baby. Parking is a nightmare. Trying to get into the baby, trying to get the buggy in and out shopping. It's just a shame how unkind people can be. We're all rushing to go where. Surely with lockdown, people could slow down a bit, give a bit of patience and manners. I can't get it out of my head. You have a three wheeler woman, three wheeler buggy, and a woman jogging with it, roaring. At a walker. Uh, when are people going to get a grip? It really is the bottom of the barrel when people complain about prams and joggers. 
the government are responsible for this. They're destroying people's mental health. We may as well be living in North Korea with total mind control. Morning, I'm an avid runner. I agree with Fiona. It's all about the jogger's momentum. Sometimes a runner is aiming at a personal best time and obstructions like pedestrians uh, do add on time. Ah, I say get over it. Uh, A bit of thought for other walkers would be nice and buggy users too. Um, Women pushing buggies never ever move. They take the ankles off you in town and not an apology, but you will get a dirty look, says Dave, from women pushing buggies. In my experience, most joggers think they own the footpaths, particularly during the first lockdown. They come towards you in groups of twos and threes and they plough through, breathing all over you. What's the story with people on the Blackrock Walk telling you what side of the path to walk on? Oh, Black Rock is like match day now these days. I mean, everybody's out walking on the marina. I've come across some kamikaze joggers that have absolutely no respect for cars on country roads. No high-vis jackets neither, says Shiona. There's pages of these. I walk every day with my grandchild. I've been doing the same with my other grandchildren for the last eight years. And I met numerous joggers on the way whom always have moved out to let me pass. That lady needs to get a life and be grateful that she has nothing more to complain about. Morning, I was pushing my two children on the Douglas Road, one in the buggy, the other on the step. An elderly lady was walking towards us on the footpath, and I went to pull the buggy in and let her pass. She stepped out onto the road, and I said thanks. This lady replied, was no problem. Children always have the right of way. And she had a big smile on her face. There are a lot more kind people out there than complainers, thankfully. Um, who won't move for parents with buggies? It's so much easier uh, for the runner to go off on the footpath than it is a buggy. She should move out of the way. We don't want her to spit or droplets on us within two meters. And there's loads more. Just one quick one here. Um, we lived in London for three years. We had a double buggy to maneuver through the city. Buses, tubes, etc. In all that time, we never had issues with anyone thinking that they had more right to the space than us. Uh, Try and find a buggy-free route if you're that annoyed while you're jogging. And there's reasons more like that, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. Um, On Wednesday, I was talking with Con on the air, you know. Um, we, We covered an awful lot of ground with regards to Con. He started on Trump, then he was talking about God. Uh, and he, he, he kind of ended up bringing the conversation into areas regarding feminism. This is just a short clip of what he had to say. There's two reasons why I, I love Trump. He's the greatest pro-life president of all time. And number two, he mentions God most of the time. He mentions God more than the Catholic bishops in Ireland put together. So he's a religious leader in my view. You never once mentioned his awful attitude to women. But, you're, but you're, feminism has got out of hand. You're saying you, you want women want to reach equality. So they should be treated the same as men. They should be talked tough as a man talking to fellow man. That's one thing I admire about him. Okay. He's kind of, when I heard he was a misogynist, I smile. Because I, I know he's been fair. He's just a, a straight man down the middle. Ireland is in a bad place. We are the first country in the world to vote for abortion. And we'll pay a big price for that down down the road, let me tell you. We'll pay a big, big, big price. There was a radio station doing a poll yesterday who had that vote for 70%, 76% would vote for Biden. The same percentage as California. And we know what's happened in California. The bushfires, they're nearly buttoned out of it. But that's God's, God's, God's warning to the, to the people. Like, I mean, we're going to get it. Hold on. You know, are you saying no, that no. God started the bushfires? Oh, it's yeah. a chastisement on, on the people of California, without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt. Big reaction to that, actually, by text and by call, particularly where Con was saying that God started the bushfires. Annette, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How I, are I had you? meant to come back to this yesterday, so my apologies. What's on your mind? You're fine. Well, I, I was just a bit annoyed at Con because, um, well, there was a couple of comments. Um, one, I suppose, about the abortion, and two, um, was about women driving four by fours and all this, you know, that they were kind of getting above their station. That, kind of that feminism has just gone completely over the yeah. top now. Everything is anti man. Then he was on about uh, uh, Trump being very much. Uh, you know, always talking about God has no issue with his religion, um, and then Ireland is a disgrace because we voted for abortion, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I suppose what I would be saying to Con is, um, you know, I'm sure he's he's jaws on the floor that women are no longer, you know, tied to the kitchen sink. But you know, we're out there and we just want to be treated the same as everybody else, paid the same as everybody else. And if we're driving a four by four, it's because we paid for it. And while Con was on his knees saying his rosary for Trump the other morning, I was up at half six and I was inside in offices cleaning offices. And you know what? I drive a Jeep and I pay for that Jeep by getting up early in the morning and going out and cleaning offices. So I don't care what Con says or the likes of him. If I want to drive a Jeep, I will drive a Jeep. And I paid for it. So I'm entitled to. Yeah, selection of texts on this. Uh, I, I'm very confused by Khan. He's talking about God. He's talking about religion. He's talking about Catholicism. Yet he supports Trump. What? What about thou shalt not steal? Uh, mm. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not cover that. Cover thy neighbor's wife. I'm confused. Dot mm. com says Dean Blarney. <laughs> yeah, not surprised. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he seems to have. He seems Khan seems to think that Trump is a god. Um, which is ridiculous because Trump, as we know, is not. The man couldn't lie straight in bed, never mind anything else. So, you know, he needs to uh, come down off his little pedestal now and looking down on top of everybody else, and especially women, and realise that Trump is not a god. Um, he's been caught nine times out of ten doing something wrong. Well, just, let's just and look at that with regards to what Khan had to say. Somebody is suggesting, would Khan also say if God created bushfires that also God created COVID as punishment for our sins? Somebody else says, get him off. Trump is crazy. He had three affairs, cheated with a porn star while his wife was having a baby. He openly talks about catching women by their private parts. He's a racist. He once stood at the end of the steps of Air Force One and pointed out his African-American friend. I could go on and on and it's not just, uh, and, and it's not the media. The man stands up in front of cameras and just talks hate. He, um, he, he remember there was, when he walked with the, with the Bible to the steps across by the courthouse, by the church. What we don't know about that is that the police tear gassed all of the protesters to get them out of his way, you know, things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is it. Like, I mean, you know, he, as I said, Khan seems to have uh, Trump up in a pedestal, and it's, it's, you know, he needs need to stop and look and say, look, Trump is not who he he he, um, he should be looking at and um, saying rosary for. In fact, what Khan should be saying rosary for is for those poor women from um, those mother and babies home that he was so quick to dismiss the other day as well. And that's who he should be saying. Well, what did he? What did he say? Ab- what did he say about that, Annette? He said, if I remember correctly, Neil, he said something like that. He felt that that was all um, blown out of proportion, and it wasn't half as bad as what people. Oh, were he was. What, he was questioning the amount of babies that died yes. and where they were buried. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. he was. So you know, I mean, Khan really and truly went went absolutely mental the other morning, and managed to insult about three quarters of the population. I would think. And but I think his lowest comment definitely was dismissing the mother and baby phone. 
So, you know, Con, if you're listening, get down on your knees there now, like good boy, and say another decade of the rosary for those poor women and children that you were so quick to dismiss. Okay, um, thanks for holding on. I should have got to you Not yesterday. Better. Thanks, I appreciate no it. Thanks, Annette. Thank Take you. care. Text 0868 106. Pick up the phone on 1850 104 106. We will do some more uh, shout outs for our free food Friday. We have a dozen or so um, pizzas to give away. They're the large, piping hot pizzas from Oak Fire Pizza. So, what I want you to do every Friday, if you're working from home or working in the workplace, wherever you are, text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. Text who you are and where you are and we'll do some more shout outs between now uh, and midday and then we'll pick a winner around about a quarter to midday today. Big reaction then as well from the last couple of days on different topics of conversation I can tell you uh, and amongst them was those that are at home um, having come home to live with mammy and daddy and whether or not they should be paying um, towards the rent. Uh, morning, my brother, sister and I always helped out at home. Both our parents worked very hard for us but they thought us that uh, to be really, they taught us it should say, uh, to be really independent in the world. Now we're thriving adults. We still help our parents out with their internet bills and treat them to the odd holiday now and then. Thankfully, we're in a position now to help them out because they sacrifice so hard to put us through third level education, says Sinead. Morning, my daughter gave up a full-time job to go into nursing. She's in her second year. She didn't get a grant in her first year and only got half the grant this year. She's working part-time to put herself through college, so there was no way I would expect her to pay for her keep. If anything, we would try to help her if we could because there's great credit due to her. I live and now work from home full-time. I'm a 30-year-old male. I pay the monthly ESB bill up to €200, along with paying for 90% of my own food. We split the broadband and Sky bill, so I pay my own as such. Yes, it is cheaper rent, but I pay my way. And just one more for now. When I was living at home, I used to pay 300 a month for rent. This helped to cover the food, the bills and the rent. It helped me set up to set, it helped to set me up when I went on to buy and live with my now husband. I agree that rent should be paid and my girls will be taught the same. Contribute in the home. Emro Award winning music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. And remember, our final digital passes for the film festival. Around about 10 minutes to midday, we'll open the phone lines. You'll win digital passes for the film festival. Starts on Sunday night, if you can identify the beeped out word, the actor, the main actor, and the movie. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't... Okay, uh, one more time before midday, we'll open the phone lines, solve that one. And also, some more Free Food Friday shout-outs now, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. And as I mentioned earlier, they're going to be opening a brand new location soon. Um, and that'll be fun uh, and well needed. Uh, Lenny Clark had surgery on his eye on Monday and he's going to be laid up for weeks. He listens to you all of the time. He's in Boeing. Morning, Lenny. Uh, free Food Friday for the lads in Benson's Workwear in Middleton. Happy making PPE, but they'd love pizza. Pizza, please, for the hardworking staff in St. Finbar's Hospital, the procurement department, working long hours during COVID. Morning to everybody working at home. Uh, in the, in Connor's household in Bishopstown. You don't say where. Currently working from home. Both me and my dad are working from the kitchen table. <laughs> Same. 
they're working at the same kitchen table for two different com- companies. How's that going for you? I'm getting sick of the sight of him, he says. Maybe pizza might bring us closer together. But the gang working and volunteering in St. Vince, or in the Vincent's charity shop in Carrigaline. Morning to you. Hi to Aileen in Riverstick, to the UCC Fines office. Morning to Moira, to all of the staff at Deals in Clonakilty, to High Care, Child Care and Ballancolic, for everybody at uh, working in the BTC in Collins Barracks, Barracks working hard training new recruits. Hot pizza will go down after a bit of square bashing. Middleton Family Resource Centre are listening this morning, as is everybody at Carrigaline Post Office who would love some pizza today. To all of the staff at the, the HSE staff at the admin building in Dennehy's Cross, morning to you. To the legal IT team in Ballancolic, working extremely hard during lockdown. Uh, to everybody at Brook staff in Hoyvone in Ringeskiddy, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Expert attic conversions in Glanmire, just one or two more. Everybody at SP BGI in Blackpool, Magic Vacations in Kinsale. So we'll do another lash of shout-outs in about a half an hour's time. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Just referring back to a conversation earlier on with regards to LOL dolls and Barbie dolls and action mans and all sorts of things like that. John joins me by phone. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. You have come across uh, a rather offensive doll that was being advertised online, although it's a vintage it's not as if people are selling lots of them this is just one, is it? Well, uh, it just so happens that somebody else posted a gollywog the same week as I did, funny enough, it was a bit of a coincidence but I have a gollywog as so many people my age probably do my gollywog was made by my granny in 1963 when I was born so it's very old and um You know, it's just one of my teddies that I have. I still have them all. I've got a teddy bear. I've got a panda. I've got uh, another couple. Um, I don't know what they are, little animals, but I've kept them. They're all 57 years old. I've kept them. How are you going to throw out something? Yeah, but should should somebody be selling an offensive thing with with the name Gollywog on it when it is deemed to be racist? Who deemed it to be racist? Well, it's demeaning to people, you know. It's it it it. Uh, In your opinion? It, well, no, it casts back to a subservient time when people weren't treated equally. Whether it's oh, I know. Well, I can easily see why it would be seen as racist and subservient, or whatever you want to call it. Of course, I can see that point of view, but at the same time, these are toys that we had as a kid. We're not going to throw them out, and when they become so old, they might become collectors. Uh, you know, objects of desire because they're so old. I don't know. I've no idea why anybody would want to buy one now or sell one. I don't know who would buy one now. Why would you want to buy a gollywog now? I don't know. But all I know is that people become very attached to toys that they had as kids, especially these, you know, cuddly toys, as if to say, I don't know how many people still have them, but I actually put mine in my front window because I have a gallery here in Cove, and I put Sorry, it's John, John uh, of course I should say John Adams, the, the, the very, very talented artist, but you, 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 put, you, put a, you put a gollywog in your window. Yeah, I put all my teddies in the window because actually I have a stepdaughter, Molly, and she finds them scary. Like, she doesn't like having them in her bedroom in my house, you know. So when she comes to visit, I have to move my teddies because <laughs> she finds them scary. Well, perhaps there's one thing having your own gollywog that was given to you by your grandmother, is it? Yes. But another thing entirely for people to be buying and selling them. 
is perpetuating. You see, that's perpetuating the wrong, isn't it? I don't know. It's very difficult to say, Neil. Listen, I'm half Indian. My dad's from India, right? I grew up in Ireland from 1963. I experienced a lot of racism myself. I was called nigger. Nah, don't use that word. No, please do not okay. use that word this on the air. I was called. No, I don't not interest. I will just stop the conversation if you even attempt to use that word again. Oh, sorry. Okay, but that's what I was called. You were as called a child. the N word. That's fine. Yeah, a that's lot. Fine. Yeah, I was yeah. called that a lot as a child. I was called black boy, all that sort of stuff. When I was a kid, I got bullied a lot because of uh, you know I had darker skin than everyone else in my school. So I know all about racism. Uh, I've experienced it all my life, and I hate racism, but I think this is people just going too far, Neil. It's a bloody toy, for God's sakes. You know, I don't think it's an object that would be, you know, used by, I, I don't think the, the white... Well, I'd like it or not, it, you could call it being used as a symbol to to um, to show... How divisive and racist a society we we live in, um, and how badly the black community were treated for hundreds and hundreds of years. It it, it is a, it yeah. is a symbol of that. And it might be. I don't know. I've never really seen it used as a symbol of that. But I would like to say that you know it's people like Donald Trump and people, supporters of Donald Trump who are perpetuating racism. And it's a lot more serious, those kind of things, like what they're up to. The world's gone crazy, and Donald Trump has, he has heightened racism. He's brought it to another level. He's, he's the first politician in the history of the world. Well, recently, anyway, obviously I'm not talking about... He did, you know something, like, I, I know all of that, but he did a tremendous amount of good, um, you know, with regards to reducing taxation, reducing unemployment, freeing up companies, getting rid of an awful lot of red tape. He didn't are, you start, like, are, you, are you a Donald Trump supporter? No, 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 but I'm all, for, I'm all for a thing called balance. Donald Trump didn't start any wars. No, but in fact, he he, sto- he stopped now. one or just two. Stick to, just stick to racism. Doesn't make it acceptable that he's a racist if he does good for the economy or something, does it? No, no, it doesn't fix that part of his no, life. I know that, cannot, but I'm just. I mean, you cannot excuse racism, no matter what the, what good the person does in any other um, walk of life. You cannot excuse him being a racist, and he is outwardly racist. His father was head of the Ku Klux Klan, for God's sakes. He grew up with the most extreme racist family you could ever imagine. So, you know, that is much more worrying than somebody selling a gollywog. I think it's very trivial, really. I don't think we should be discussing... No, but I, know, I know you are entitled to an opinion, but for somebody who experienced racism growing up in Ireland and being called all sorts of awful names, I think yeah. you would be interested in doing everything you could to stop it, including, you know, these well, gollywog dolls. I mean, the only gollywog I can remember was the thing called a gollywog ice cream. Do you recall that? I have no idea yeah, why they I, called it. Yeah, it was my favourite ice cream growing up, and I still like them. But I would just say that, really and truly, there's a lot more important things. And, you know, today I'll be lodging my appeal with the port, or with the, on board Planola to try and stop this 35-storey hotel going up on the most historic buildings in Cork City, the most unique heritage buildings in the city. They're not being these, affected by the building of port, the hotel. These Port of Cork buildings will be destroyed by a 35-story elitist five-star hotel. How and how, 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 how are they going to... You're talking... Uh, okay. Go in there? You're talking about... 
the, the silos, the storage buildings? No, the Port of Cork buildings, the bonded warehouses, the silos. Par- pardon me, I should have called them bonded warehouses. You, you, demolished, you are right. The bonded warehouses won't be touched, John. Of course they will. It's going to be a five-star hotel. No, the, the hotel is below them. No, Just, the hotel is above them. It's no, 35 no. stories. It's, hotel. It's not, I'm not saying the hotel is underground. It's it's further down the plot. They're not going to but be able to t- t- touch the bond. It's all the same building. Yeah, but it's let's be a- let's be accurate about this. The bonded warehouses will not be destroyed. Listen, they're public. They were publicly owned property. They were state assets until the Port of Cork sold them off incredibly cheaply for five million and. A, a smaller site, very nearby, around the same time, went for thirty-five million. What what's going on there? Very fishy. And the Port of Cork let these buildings go into an awful state. They were they had those buildings for over fifty years. They did absolutely no maintenance on them. They left them with huge holes in the roofs, and then they sold them off very cheap. Have you been in any of them? Yeah, I have toured them extensively and photographed them extensively. And, and so have I. No, I, I just, I just want to say, like, the, the, the plan there is not to do anything except to use them for a public good, but in interpretive centres. Well, that's maybe, your opinion. I don't think it's public good to have our most important heritage buildings turned into a five-star hotel. No, they're not. And that's not part of the. That's not part of, of the hotel. Oh, God, Neil, you better look up the plans. Of course it is. I've been studying this. For, I've been fighting this for eight years. So you can't tell me what it is and what it isn't. Of course it is. It's all part of the hotel. I'm happy to go back and look at the plans again. No, the whole thing is going to be a five-star hotel, and most of the people in Cork won't be able to afford to go in there. It's going to be an elitist hotel. And besides, do you not think Cork, that it would give? Cork do you not think that it would give jobs? Do you not think that it would give um, uh, that suppliers would have to supply produce and and people would work there? That it would yes, turn into a thriving yes, hub. My point is that why don't they build it somewhere else instead of on our most important heritage buildings? There's so much empty space down the docklands where they should build it, where it's got a lot more room and they can have car parks. They can have, you know, deliveries without interrupting the traffic on that very busy junction. How is a 250 room hotel going to actually operate there on one of the busiest junctions of the city? What would you do with the plot of land then? If you weren't going to put a hotel there. Okay, well, I proposed for a long time that it be turned into a maritime museum, which Cork needs some tourist attractions. We've got nothing for tourists in Cork City, and that is the most ideal location for somewhere to celebrate our maritime history, because Cork has one of the most incredible maritime histories in, in the world. And we don't, we have nothing to celebrate that we've nothing for the people to see what an amazing city we have and to attract tourists in and that's the most incredible location because those buildings were built by French prisoners on Spike Island during the Napoleonic Wars and you can have ships and boats on both sides you could have a sailing school there. I know and listen so I, I, potential I love my fields. city I love my city like you do but my understanding of everything that's been planned down there will not touch any of the existing buildings I'm happy to well, go back I'm and look sorry, at it again Neil, if you're telling me I'm wrong. Neil, you're completely wrong. All right, pal. Well, 
Shame on Cork City and the city manager. They're destroying all the old buildings in the city. Look at Navigation House being demolished recently and all those beautiful the fr- old lines. I know, but the, sure the front facade was incorporated into the new build. What, they kept the front wall? It looks pathetic. That's not preservation of our heritage buildings by keeping the front wall. They've done the same thing over at the railway station with all those huge, big, ugly office blocks and that Dean Hotel. Look at it, the big black thing. It's uh, like... But John, you, you just those, you just no. want there was nothing there like that was a fucking no, car that, park. That's where you're wrong. They had beautiful buildings down there that were completely neglected and run down. But the stonework okay. was yeah. unbelievable. That was incredible stonework, you know. And it's all been demolished just for where, whereas they could have built these easily without knocking down those old. No, buildings. I love. Listen, I love your passion. I'm happy to. Like, I will over the weekend revisit it again. Maybe I haven't studied it enough, but uh, this, some, this something. City council are going to destroy all the old buildings in Cork. That's what. That's what's happening at the moment. Our city is being demolished. They're keeping the facades. The, we'll we'll be like Disneyland. We'll have all we'll have is front walls of our old buildings left in this city. If this current corporate executive management of Cork City Council keeps going the way it is, all right. And okay. and look at the neglect in the poor areas. Look at Shandon. Look at Blackpool. Look at look at Barrick Street. They're all totally neglected. This city manager, all she's interested in is the corporate money. They're driving out loads of small local businesses from the city. How many businesses have been driven out by the rates and other courts? The, 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 the rates now are one issue, but rents have nothing to do with city council. The they have to do. Have taken over this this city council, the corporate executive. They're only interested in corporate money, and the, the heart and soul has been ripped out of Cork City by this city manager. I appreciate and your I, passion. I, I'd love to hear from other people who are listening to this that might have an opinion on your conversation. Text 0868 And I challenge the city manager to a debate. You asked me to put in a call to the city manager to discuss this with you on air. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll debate okay. with her. Okay, yeah. let me make that call a little later on. I come back to this again on Monday. But let me revisit the plans as well and see if other people have an opinion. How about okay. that? We're talking Thank you very much for letting me have my say. I oh. really appreciate it. As Neil. always, and, uh, everybody's entitled to a word uh, um, yeah. and an opinion. So that's what we're here for. Appreciate it. Thank you, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers for now. Yes, I also remember the Gollywog ice creams. Oh, my God. How did they get away with that? I have no idea how they got away with it. Gollywog ice creams were white. Uh, I'm 65 and I still have my Gollywogs since I was a child. And also, I have my son's golly. This debate has been going on, but it's a cuddly toy, for God's sake. Get over it. Uh, Maybe John would also be comfortable with perhaps a Hitler doll. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's balanced. Um, It's a toy, for feck's sake. It's not as if we're talking about a gun. Well, you know what? Uh, You know, when you talk of history, there were many guns to suppress people who didn't have a voice, didn't have a vote, and didn't have equal rights. It was awful. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. It's tough there, boy. It's tough on people. Actually, Dermot says, I accept that not everyone sees the golly is a racist thing but it definitely is its origins are in the slave period and the racist period that followed it with a racist image of Afro-Americans the word itself is a racist insult when applied to people which is often uh, is in some white cultures including the abbreviation WOG Um, there will always be people who shrug off criticism and mutter bloody PC but images are powerful words are powerful in certain contexts 
Um, I hope uh, anybody that talks about this, um, uh, but both because racism is vile and because the Irish have suffered extensively from it as well. If it is the intention, it should act accordingly and people should remove images that are complained about, including people that try and sell these dogs. Uh, and that's from uh, Dermot talking about it being anti-black and definitely racist. Now, um, just one or two emails to Neil at redfm.ie. I'm writing this because it's on behalf of a friend. She's a mom of three. Her daughter, just goes to show how difficult it is for people at this time. Her daughter in particular needs help. She's 13 years old. My friend is very stressed out about her daughter looking for advice and I believe my advice doesn't seem to help as I only have a 10 year old myself. Her daughter hasn't been able to to get out of bed is feeling down and only has one good friend at school. She hates school and has missed more than 20 days and doesn't want to go back. I was hoping, can anyone help give me some advice, please? I don't want to mention names as she needs help for her and her child. I mentioned about maybe it's puberty. I asked, was there bullying and whether or not she would go to counselling or see a psychologist? Uh, does anybody know of any cheap or free counsellors? The lockdown is really affecting her. They don't have a medical card and a doctor's appointment could even break them financially. I've mentioned talking to her teachers, but I'm at a loss. I feel helpless. Would anyone have any suggestions? Thanks for taking the time. This is a friend of a mother stressed out with her teenager. Now, I don't know whether it is actually a friend of the mother or whether it's actually the mother herself reaching out. But the issue is here. She hates school um, and hasn't been able to get out of bed, is feeling down all the time. There's some issue, I would think, perhaps with school or what's happening in school, particularly if there was a time uh, last year or the year before the year before, when she loved school. Has she made a transition from primary school into secondary school, I wonder? Um, but I think maybe talking with somebody outside of the home might well help. Uh, and if we can get her some counselling, and I do have a relationship with, with counsellors um, through this programme who will offer um, a session or two to this young girl. So let me know if she would be up for it or if it could happen and if that can happen, we'll make it happen and see if talking to somebody outside of the home might make a difference. Um, far be it for me to suggest what's wrong with her. I'm just wondering, would it perhaps maybe be school related, something going on in school, whether it's bullying or not? I don't know. But certainly come back to me on that and we'll see if we can help to, to resolve it. We've been talking a lot about um, supporting Irish, particularly if you can click and collect. And uh, a lot of people are encouraged now to move their businesses online. Keep doing what you're doing, but let people know more about it, where they can buy your products uh, with click and collect, because you probably can't open your front doors at the moment. And time is ticking, and Christmas is a real money earner for businesses. So now is the time to be doing it. But an awful lot of people are doing a lot of things from home. Amongst them, Ursula, good morning. Morning, Neil. How and are you? I'm good. And down in beautiful Monkstown, you are knitting jumpers for dogs. Really? That's right. Yep. Um, all, all sorts of dogs, all sorts of sizes. All sizes, all makes, all shapes, all sizes. Okay. Yeah. And where and where do you let people know about this? How can they buy? They buy online. It's all online. Well, we do. I sell in Passage West Creates our little craft shop in Passage which is closed at the moment, but you can click and collect there. But I have a website that you can buy directly from. And do you have a team of knitters all knitting away down there in Monkstown Passage? I do. I have them. They're all local between here and Mahan and Douglas, Bishopstown. And that's what my cry out this morning is. You're far. looking for knitters. knitters? I need more knitters. Isn't that amazing? that You need extra knitters to deal with the volume. Yeah, little did I think when I set up the business 11 months ago, 
that online um, selling would be uh, the biggest thing that's going on at the moment, really. Um, and business has been really good and it's picking up more and more every and, week. So, And when you're flat out, when you get all of the knitters that you need, how many people will you have knitting? Um, well, I'm hoping to find another 15 at the minute. <laughs> so what would <laughs> the total be then? Me. Pardon? How, how many knitters would you have then? At the moment, I have 7 to 10. So you'd have, 25, you'd have 25 knitters knitting mm. jumpers and sweaters for dogs. That's it. That's my plan. I need them at the moment for the volume that's coming in. And why is it so busy now as opposed to, say, last year? Uh, well, I only started out last year, so it's a lot of, you know, getting familiar with Facebook and Instagram, promoting it and selling it online. There's a lot of work involved in that and a lot of learning. But... Um, now that people are promoting local, promoting buying Irish, it's definitely made a difference. Okay, Huge and difference. where are you selling to? Uh, at the moment, all are, all in, in, in Ireland only. I was selling a good bit to the States this time, like last year in January and February. I had a very good January and February coming up to Patrick's Day because I was putting a shamrock on it. Then it died, like everything else did when, when we had lockdown. But um, in the last two weeks, everything is in Ireland. And is it, are there wool, wool jumpers? 100% wool, super quality. And Real. for like, what would the more popular dogs be? The tiny ones, is it? The smaller dogs? Medium and large would be my best selling sizes. Like a large so, what? A, a beagle would be the small dog. A large dog would be, um, you know, I thought to some greyhounds. Why would a beagle or a greyhound want a jumper? Well, I suppose a greyhound has very little hair. <laughs> Maybe they're cold. So they've been cold for thousands of You don't care no, about the reason why they buy it as long as they buy no, it. But it's a fashion item. It looks great. It's, it, it actually looks the same as a human iron sweater, but it's on a dog. <laughs> the same Irish stitches, the polar neck. It looks exactly like a human sweater. How much would a, how much would a jumper for a beagle cost? Uh, about 40 quid. That's all right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, super quality. It'll wash and it'll wear and you'll have it for a long time. I love it. And what's the run in time from order to delivery? Well, I would have said 10 days, but I'm pushing that out now because I need more knitters. So a fortnight, maybe? Well, if I have enough knitters, you will definitely get it back in a fortnight. <laughs> okay, so let's get the knitters then. Do they have to be local or what? Well, I'm preferably local because it means I can drop off the yarn and pick up the finished garment. It makes it very convenient and it avoids the whole postage and delay in it. But if I don't get enough of local ones, I may have to look further. Okay. And do they have to be really handy knitters? You're talking about, this is this is needles, knitting needles, is it? Well, it's iron stitches. So a beginner who knows nothing about iron might find it very difficult. But if anyone wants to try one, and it might, like at, at the moment when they're sitting at home, possibly looking for something to do, knitting is a great way to pass the time. And you're paying, are you? Oh, 100%. Yeah, for sure. All right. You're paying, you're t- paying decent coin, are you? I pay slightly above the average rate. Absolutely. It's win-win all round then. Let's see if we can get you a dozen or up to 15 knitters on side to get knitting more dogs for, no more jumpers super. for dogs, yeah? Yeah, it'd be super. And you'll deliver the yarn. You tell a good yarn as well, in fairness, Ursula. So what's the name of the website if people want to order? Irish Dog Designs. Okay, so if knitters want to get in touch, how will they do it? Email or you have my phone if you want to give up my phone number. I'll take the phone number or would you say it might be good to go through the website? Through the website. You can email through the website as well. That'd be irishdogdesigns.ie. 
at gmail.com. Well, the website is irishdogdesigns.com and the email is irishdogdesigns at gmail.com. Okay, I'll get a phone number from you and then I'll bang it out on the air just before midday, all right? And we'll, drive, sure. we'll drive knitters we away and let me know how you get on, okay? I will, for sure. Take care, Ursula. Lovely talking to you. Super, Neil. Thank sure. you so much. 15 or 20 knitters. Uh, don't call me. We'll give you the details and the numbers in a few minutes' time and then come back to it. I mentioned earlier in the week and I posted a photograph of the holly bough up on my Instagram page. I was saying, as soon as the holly bough arrives, I know that Christmas is just around the corner. And I often wonder, you know, for the arrival of the holly bough, I was saying on Instagram, should I start playing Christmas songs? Because the holly bough's out now. You can buy your own copy. Um, I think if there was a vote on this, I think it's probably best not to play any Christmas songs for now. But I want to talk to John Dolan, who's the editor of the holly bough, in a moment. But inside of the inside pages, and this was done uh, earlier in the year, maybe early in the year or back end of last year, where they came up with the best Cork songs of all time. The Holly Bow lists them this morning, right? 81 tracks were shortlisted. Um, and I think that, I think Trevor Welsh did a big gig on this in the, in the Opera House, or sorry, in the, in the Cork City Library at the time. The Boys of Fair Hill, Jimmy Crowley and Stoker's Lodge makes it at number one in the Holly Bow. The Frank and Walters at number two. Then the Clancy Brothers with the Bowl Tady Quill. Jimmy McCarthy's The Contender. John Spillane is in there. Some great Cork bands from down through the years, including including Five Go Down to the Sea. Um, I see also uh, Natural Gas are in there with the Langer song. Many the Sultans of Ping are in there. Mick Flannery's in there, and lots more besides. But going down through the list, I said it would be good to pick one of the songs from one of the bands from yesteryear that were very big some years back. Um, and I settled on Micro Disney. Remember Micro Disney? Yeah. Well, if you do, you'll love this. Isn't that something? Hope that brought the memories back. It certainly did for me. John Dolan, editor of the Hollybow, joins me by phone. Morning, John. Yeah, good morning. How are you, Neil? I'm super. You're always in great form. Listen, thank you so much for that double spread, ar- spread article. I spent about two hours just <laughs> YouTubing all of the bands. I had such fun digging out all the old tunes. There's a great article in the Hollybow this year called Still Number One After All These Years. And what, some of it drills into when the Frank and Walters went over to do Top of the Pops, right? You know all about this. You wrote the articles and stuff. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it, what happened was earlier this year, as you were saying, Neil, there was a survey on what was the best Cork song of all time. Um, and what we did was, I actually got in touch with the library people and they gave me the 81 songs that were shortlisted, <laughs> which we've listed there for you all to see. Uh, and, and after all, was voted number one um, 30 years after it was a hit. So yeah, it's, it's great stuff, isn't it? It's, uh, it's great. To, to, it was recent nostalgia going back at Micro Disney and all those bands that were so cool back in the day. Absolutely. It's super. And then when people are going through the list, they can do their bit of YouTubing. And, because there's old videos up there of a lot of these Cork bands. They still exist. And when the Franks went to Top of the Pops, they were up there with Paul McCartney, Whitney Houston, and all sorts of other acts like that. It's a super article. How, how was the Holly Bob for you this year, putting it together? Was it more challenging because of the year we had? Not really, Neil. No, I mean we've been working from home at the Echo and the Examiner for, since since March, and and ninety odd percent of us have been doing exactly the same ever since. So yeah, it, it was a production that was done done from home. So there were a few little, you know, it, it wasn't as easy as most years. But you know something, it was it was ground because we knew early on we needed to get a really good Hollybow out there to lift the spirits, and uh, that was the watchword we were trying to use for the, for the whole of this year's edition, really, because and it's been it's been a tough year, hasn't it? And we don't know what kind of Christmas we're going to have, but hey, the Hollybow is still there, you know. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, when that re- when that red publication arrives, <laughs> we know everything is right with the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. You know, early in the days, back in March, um, when we went into lockdown, there was so much uncertainty. Uh, the, the Oliver Plunkett Street office, the people there, contacted me and said, "Look, a few people have put their head in the door and said, will there still be a holly bow this year?'" And that was back before Easter, so <laughs> no pressure or anything. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's great that it's out there, and people are delighted to see it. And Tell me about the artwork there. upon the front page with uh, with Senti and his reindeer. Oh, it's fabulous. Jason O'Gorman, who many people, especially people on social media, will know Jason's work. He's from uh, Dynamite Studios, is his, his kind of uh, the name of his business there. But yeah, I mean, I, Jason's been on my radar for a while. And as you know, in recent years, we've asked various cork artists to, to design the cover artwork. So this year, it was Jason's task. This and is a, it's a beaut. Yeah, and I think but when we were talking about it early in the year, you know, he, he made the point, let, let, this has to be really positive, uplifting, you know, we didn't want to be dwelling on anything sentimental on the cover this year because we just wanted to get the positive vibe out there that Christmas is still Christmas, do you know? Santa Claus in the sleigh doing a swerve around Shandon. <laughs> it's fabulous. There's so much movement in it and I love the, you know, the backdrop is very faithful, you know, you, you still have the Elysium there and everything else. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a fabulous piece of artwork, it really is. Let's have a look inside then, because we, we have the, the article, I love the one on the songs, we have a lot of Santa stories, you've got a great double spread on the polio pandemic and 56. You have yeah. Al Capone and the Cork connection. You have uh, the burning of Cork. You have McSweeney. You have the Tans. You have fabulous black... Talk to me about the black and white photographs that you've managed to I don't know if this is a word, colorize. Yeah, now th- this is actually a book that's come out recently and one of the two authors of it is actually from, from Cove originally. But yeah, it's you know, you, you see it quite a bit now more, more because the, the colorization of these old black and white photographs. So um, what I asked was, I asked the authors of the book, can you give me, you know, seven or eight or, or nine of, of these cork photographs that you've actually colorized and we'll feature them. And as you can see, I mean, just amazing. And they, they really try the best to be faithful in the colorization because obviously, you know, it's not a true depiction maybe of, of what, what, you know, but they, they do. But, lots but of why research. not? It probably, like, it probably, there's a beautiful photograph and it's got my, my grandmother's house in it, 10 Kings Terrace next to St. Patrick's church with uh, the steam, yeah, with the steam yeah. chain passing it. That, that's yeah. a, oh my God, I, I would, if I could get my hands on that photograph, I'd send it to my brothers and sisters. But I'm sure it was that, I'm sure those were the colours. Yeah, I mean, they do. Like, one of the interesting things they mentioned to me as well was that there's a picture of the old tram in Blackrock there you can see. And they actually coloured it a certain way. And then they found out that the trams were a different colour to what they thought. So they actually changed the colourisation of it. So, you know, they, they try and be as faithful as they can. It really brings the pictures to life more. It, it makes these people look more modern almost, doesn't it, than, you know, an old black and white photograph. For sure, because yeah. one of them is a photograph from the 1900s, which has been the Cork exhibition out, uh, out the Lee on the Mardyke by Fitzgerald. Charles Park, you know, where people yeah. were going down the slide. Yes. Yeah, that was part of the great exhibition, wasn't it? Where, where the, I think the, the shaky bridge is on that spot now, isn't it? Um, so yeah, it, it just, it, it makes it almost like, you know, it, it, we almost have a disconnection with black and white photographs now, don't we? That was then, this is now. And it kind of brings it to life and says, wow, they did, they really did have a, a water slide on the lee. You know, this, this is, this is actually, this actually happened. It almost makes it more true. But yeah, I mean, some of the pictures, I mean, I love the photograph of the, the uh, young people coming out of Collins Barracks there, um, with, with some firewood. It, would, it must have been the time when it was, you know, you know, decommissioned. I guess when the British left. Um, so local people there, we, you know, we've, we've dirty faces, urchins really uh, coming out of there with some firewood for the fire. Listen, um, for, yeah, for, yeah, for people who love their sport down through the years, the Hollybell mm-hmm. also um, correctly marks the fact that this year Chris Turing would have been a hundred, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very grateful to Dermot O'Donovan, especially, and, and to a few other people who contributed articles. Now, there's been a lot, a lot around, obviously, because the centenary was just recently of Christa Ring's birth. But what I loved about the Hollybow articles, especially, is it really gets into the real man. And, and you know, we, again, we see images of Christy Ring, they're now 40 years old. He looks quite a stern character. He looks tough, which he was. Um, but there's the size to him, you know, he, he could be witty. He could be funny. He could have a bit of a bit ball hopping during a match, as one of the <laughs> one of the players remembers. You know, so there was a, a different side to him as well, and I love the fact that we and, and his younger days in Cloyne as well. You know, when he and, and then he returned to Cloyne in later years, and he just used to be hitting the hurley around on the field, and all the local kids are becoming to play. There's Christy Ding. Let's go and have a, a knockabout with Christy. You know, um, so I love all that kind of really. You know, the, the All Ireland Finals where he was he was a, such a winner. You know, and we see him with all the trophies and all that. But you know, this human side of him, I love. You know, I love yeah. Ta- talking about Cork characters, you wrote yourself actually a lovely page on Brian from the High B didn't you I mean were you, did yeah. you go in there for a libation from time to time you did I went in a few <laughs> times but um, you know I, I think I just loved all I mean obviously he, Brian died there I think he was towards the end of last year earlier this yeah, year yeah. But, but what I what I thought was you know there must be a different side to Brian O'Donnell there must be a he must have been a loving and he was obviously to his family but I got in touch with his daughter and I said come on there must be a different side to Brian O'Donnell the soft side and she just said no, that's pretty much what he was. You know, he was like that at home. He was like that in work. He was a character. Was and, and you catalogue a lot of the different experiences people had. Like we, when Brian passed away, we had a, a couple of hours of people telling stories on the air about him. Yeah. But I love the one in, in the Holly Bow, the Josh Seward, regular contributor to this program. He said, somebody asked for a dash of Raza in their Guinness. And Brian retorted, if you want, pick and mix. Go to Cudmore's. <laughs> Of course, there's the other story then of somebody put coal on the fire. You wear that one. Yeah, I, I've heard that one before as well. You do that at your pedal because, like he pointed out, you know, that, that's my fire. You know, He I, walked I down, some guy put fire. coal on the fire, right? And Brian walked around from down the, uh, behind the counter, walked down to your man who put coal on the fire, picked up and drank his pint. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's great stuff, isn't it? And, you know, and, and like like a few people said, you know, tourists used to come here and, and they wouldn't want to, you know, they might they didn't want to kiss the Blarney Stone or see the English market. They wanted him to go into the high B and be insulted by Brian. You know, <laughs> it was part of the gig. So yeah, it's extraordinary. What a character! You'll be so sadly missed, won't you? You know, and so will Neil Tobin, of course, who, who we lost yeah. the back end of last year as well. There's a double spread on him, spread on him. It's lovely. <laughs> Yeah, it's fabulous, and, and I'm, I'm very grateful to Owen Harris, who was a friend of his, who wrote a lovely article as well. But one of the things I did early in the year as well, I actually, it's out of print now, but the Nile Tobin wrote a lovely autobiography back in the 90s. And I read, read through it, and I just thought, what a, what a hilarious man he was, first of all. And we, we really got captured his kind of, his early days growing up in Cork on the north side, his own family, uh, his own parents. Um, and lovely, lovely, just laugh out loud sort of anecdotes from him, you know. He was yeah. a lovely, lovely man, lovely way with words as well. Yes, I loved, like he, he really was Cork through and through. And in the Hollybow, you have a quote from him saying, let me say, I am not proud of being a Corkonian or a Cork man. I'm nor am I ashamed. I'm just grateful. know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's almost as if he was, uh, you can imagine non-Corkonians saying, oh, you know, he's finally he's going to say something that, you know, yeah, yeah. talk's not great. But no, he comes back. I am grateful. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me give you an opportunity to pick out some other gems yourself then off the top of your head from this year's yeah, well, hobby uh, Oh, just so many. You, you've read out so many as well, but there's so much, so much in it, 164 pages. But, you know, one of the ones that I, I loved was um, George Hook, um, a broadcaster who's now retired, he's well known, obviously, you'd probably know 
George yourself. Very but, um, well, yeah, yeah he, he got in touch because he just wanted to write an article for the Holly Bow. He's, he's loved it for 70 years and now he's got... Can I just say, I posted him a copy of it yesterday, incidentally. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, no, that's great. And I think we posted one out as well. Oh, he's got two then. <laughs> no, right. that's, that's no problem. He talks about his dad and growing up in Cork, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, it's interesting. I mean, he really wrote a good article about the fact that his father was in... Now, this is the days before the show bands, you know, so this is going back to the 50s, you know, the early 50s maybe, and there was a band of Billy Brown and his music, and George Hook was the, was the drummer. Now, George sent in a photograph from around 1952 of this band, and there's George Hook's dad, the drummer, and he looks a bit like George Hook. And then, funnily enough, who's on the piano, um, but a guy called Cagney, and it's, this is Mark Cagney's father, who's in the same band as George Hook's father. Isn't that amazing? Um, but yeah, and so, so George shares his memories of his dad, and he thought his dad was so yes. cool, and he was in the band. And then he also talks about his days at school as well, at Prez, um, where he was actually, you know, his, his parents saved up and really paid for him to go into that school, and he, he was still the poorest kid in the school, was his memory. But he had, he had very fond days of Prez as well. So I love that article as well. I love, I love you know, it's, it's just you know, so interesting about his dad and um, you know going off in bands and, and doing two jobs because he worked at uh, he worked at the, the railway station as well. Those you were know, the days. Those were yeah. the days. And of course, you got photographs from all over the world again this year, and also a nice section to those that have passed away. Ronnie Hurley, he would have been a contributor this year, but we lost the great Cork historian, and we should also mark this time. Um, uh, on sale everywhere now. It is, yeah. It's, it's in all the shops and you can buy it on hollybow.ie, Neil, as well. That, that's the website where people can buy them and send them out to places as well. So when they can, there's a digital edition which people can have. They, but, you know, the vast majority of people, they want the Hollybow in the hands. They want it there, you know, put the phone down and read something over over the Christmas time or over the winter days. And we're so lucky that the Examiner and the Echo and everybody in your publications has such a back catalogue of photographs, a treasure trove to dig out every single year. That's great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, gosh, you know, I mean, I, I constantly, you know, grateful for the fact that there's so many great, great, such a treasure, like you say, it's a, it's a treasure trove of our history and it's well, well cared for and it's there for us to call on. So, yeah, very grateful for that, too. OK, well, listen, good to catch up yet another year down since 1897. We've had this tradition and we thank you for it. If I don't get to talk to you, regards to you all and, and happy Christmas, John. I know and it's you a bit well, early, but wish listeners. you the best. Take care as Bye. always. The great John Dolan and the Hollybow and the Christmas 2020 edition is out now. Pick it up. Pick up two. One for yourself, one for a friend or one to send overseas. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Okay, the digital passes for the film festival then. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't... Lines open for that and one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Go for that. Meanwhile, let me give out the phone number if you want to get knitting uh, sweaters and jumpers for dogs. You can get in touch with Ursula on zero eight seven six four nine three six eight one zero eight seven six four nine three six eight one. She's paying good money, paying above uh, uh, minimum wage and what have you, and uh, making them for dogs. Uh, meanwhile, I just give you a couple of winners for Oak Fire. Uh, pizzas for everybody at the procurement department in St. Finbar's working hard and also for the men and women who are up in Collins Barracks working hard all week training the new recruits as well as that we'll organise it for uh, my second grandchild was born on Tuesday a handsome little boy his mother, father, big sister would love a pizza cheers says Margot in Nuns Walk in Balafihan the lads will pick another few when we get off the air but I won't have time to do much more now apart from that except to um, say that the phone lines are open I imagine they have a winner already for the film fest let me just say this is this is the movie I, I'm playing it but you do know it because it was one of the most it's one of those funny it's up there with the 
We're going to need a bigger boat. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen from Airplane. Call me Shirley. Um, anyway, good luck to everybody involved in the film festival at the weekend. Lots more to do. We'll have to pick it up on Monday. Have a good weekend. It's just turning midday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.